On this episode of the Star Wars Time Show, Matt and Nick are getting back to some meaty Star Wars lore discussions thanks to the arrival of Andor's first three episodes. The Dude Bros will review their premiere episodes, break down their mysteries, and reveal all of the eggs you may have missed. If that's not enough Andor, they'll also take a deep dive into the Canari flashbacks to try and speculate what actually went down on Cassian's home planet. Don't worry, they'll also fill you in on what may happen in episode 4, so we've got all things Andor covered. But that's not all, they'll also riff on some James Earl Jones news and a report about Star Wars video game releases. Of course, the show will end with the question of the week responses and the latest round of top 5 Star Wars fan artist features. Punch it, Chewie! And everybody, let me take off the screen protector by the power of Grayskull. I <laughs> am not He-Man. How's it going, everyone? Welcome to the Star Wars Time Show. We're back. We're live. And we've got current Star Wars to talk about. So that's why we currently have a poster of Don't Worry Darling on the live stream cast. Hey, what do you expect from the Star Wars Time <laughs> Show, right? We make you wait a whole week. To hear our review and breakdown of a week old Star Wars property, and we're not even going to start with the old Star Wars property. We're starting with some pop culture talk because we, unlike other Star Wars podcasts, are a refined bunch of gentle geeks <laughs> that spread our beings across all of the other pop culture items that other geeks and nerds may want to be consuming at this point in time. But don't worry, we've got a large and or segment planned. Okay, we got episode one, two, and three. We're going to review them. We're going to break them down so you know what you need to know. And then we're going to point out the few Easter eggs that Tony graced us with. Um, as you all found out, this show is not like other Star Wars TV, which we've been trying to tell you vis-a-vis Lord Gilroy, which also means for me, it makes my Easter egg breakdowns very easy because he doesn't <laughs> fuck around with that shit, you know? So thank you, Lord Tony. We speak your name. And yes, we will get there. We'll not spend too much time on the pop culture talk. But, you know, there, there's some relevant things we want to get to that we know other Star Wars fans are probably thinking about. And um, before we get in that, though, I would like to address SWTS Nation, okay? Got some important announcements here, life-changing announcements. We see you fans who have reached out and have expressed your disgust and anger with the cadence of the Star Wars Time Show during a live Star Wars TV show run on Disney+. Plus. We see you. Like the Navi. Okay? <laughs> but we're probably not going to change anything. All right? So what I'm yeah. talking about is, Nick and I, we've, we've talked about this. I've lamented this probably before on the cast. Whenever Disney moved their, their flagship shows to a Wednesday release, I knew it was going to buttfuck us. Because our show has been, for the most part, Nick, what, almost three years now, yeah. been a Tuesday afternoon show. Yep. We record on Tuesday, yeah. we release on Wednesday for those of you who are not live. 
our um our lives and our routines have been structured around SWTS birthing each week on a Tuesday afternoon. With that being said, I fully understand that it is not ideal for Star Wars shows when they release on a Wednesday, because like that work more or less is saying here, he had to wait a whole damn week to hear the valuable, insightful, and sometimes enlightened thoughts of the Star <laughs> Wars Time Show host about said old episodes. So we get it. It sucks. But we're not going to change. The only thing I can think here is if, you know, I get a bug up my ass on a Wednesday and I'm really feeling the need to get out there and kind of barf up my thoughts early, I might do like a one-man stream to podcast special. But for the most part, if you are dying to hear what the Star Wars Time Show hosts have to say, think, express, yell about, whatever about a Star Wars show that is about a week old, I, I suggest tuning into our YouTube channel on Wednesdays because then you'll, you'll at least get a little splash, okay? That's when I spew all my little short content out or, or thought videos. But you could also tune into the um, recorded version of the live stream. I, I would think, Nick, what, you usually can see it right after we're done recording, right? The, the live That's stream, right. you can find it on the channel. That so, is right. Yeah, those of you that are worried about this, and I, I get it. I'm not like, listen, I'm, 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 I'm appreciative to that one fan on Twitter saying, hey, man, please don't tell me you're going to be doing your recaps uh, the day of new episodes. I'm like, bro, I hate to tell you, but that's, that's the type of shit show we run here at the SWTS. Um, so you're just going to have to um, get with it and understand how we roll. But I told him, like, listen, you know, come Tuesday evening, you should be able to find the recorded live stream on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Star Wars Time Show, which is the exact same show that goes out on podcast platforms on Wednesdays. So um, thank you to those live streamers that are, are, are telling us that we are not assholes right now, so work more <laughs> or less SW Black Series clips. But trust, Nick knows I've, I've been worried about this. And unlike Nick, I, I have not been able to get rid of my unhealthy obsessions with um just you know we we, we got to do what one person wants us to do that'll make us that'll yeah. be our break so we heard you we understand you but we're not going to change it's just life has been sculpted i mean my I, I literally build my real life work schedule around this fucking show so we're, we're at yeah. least locked like, in until december yeah i mean matt has classes to teach on wednesdays yeah. <laughs> and you know exactly. it's just it's too hard to move a show. And, and also, you know, if we did it on a Wednesday, we would have to do it like, you know, watch the night. show, watch the episodes like as soon as they drop. Um, then Matt has to worry about, you know, what time his classes are, how long the show goes, what time yeah. we record and everything like that. It's just it's a lot to deal with. And I mean, same for, for Thursdays and Fridays, too. And the thing is, is if if I had confidence or if we had confidence that like, Oh, if we did this show on a Thursday, then we would our our concurrent live viewing viewers would go from twelve to you know one hundred and fifty. Then maybe we would do it, but I don't think that that's going to be the case. Right, so, right. You're you know. you're right, and that's why Nick is here. He he has realistic expectations. He gets it. I don't. 
I literally still feel just like gamers do sometimes. One more turn, right? One more turn. For me, it's one more post. One more post is going to do it. That's why last Wednesday, my sick ass was up at four in the morning to watch the three episodes. And then I produced double videos per episode. So six. And then I did a bonus video because I was obsessed with Canari, which I'm sure most of you were. And we will have a specific segment today to explore the mysteries of Canari. So there it is. Thanks to the longtime fans in here for your support. Uh, you know, the, the words do help. Um, so at least our super fans are okay with the cadence, Nick. I think that means we can continue. So thank yeah. you. And, and realistically, this show's only going to be on the air for another four weeks. So, you know, you, you got four weeks of, of, of shows where we're oh, we, uh, no, we, a little we late. Got, we got uh, nine weeks, it, I believe. It's, there's uh, and and or 12, man. Yeah, so we got nine weeks to go. Buddy. Oh, God. <laughs> 12 episodes? This You're with me for three more months, show? pal. You're with me God. for three more months. I'm going to fall asleep for nine weeks <laughs> watching this shit. Uh, hey, he told you it's going to be a slow burn, but hopefully, you know, by episode three, when they were ringing those bells, Nick perked yeah. up and his his heart was pumping a little bit for, <laughs> for Cassian and Luthen and, and Bix and Marva and all the friends we met in Andor. But, you know, before we get there, let, let's keep them waiting a little bit more since our fans do like the wait. But in all seriousness, though, if you are someone that needs to hear our thoughts early or before the new episode comes out, my best advice right now is to... Grab the YouTube okay. feed at some point on a Tuesday night, sub to the YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Star Wars Time Show, and make sure you're looking at our podcast playlist, because I think that's where Nick says he finds it show up. That is um, correct. So, all right, that there you go. Correct. Okay, so please, please give us a few minutes to geek out on some pop culture, and then I, I assure you we will go balls deep into Andor S1, E1, E2, E3, and then a Canary special. All right, so if you are in the live stream, we'd love for you to join if you're not every Tuesday, 2.30p on the YouTube. I've got an image of two good-looking humans right now, and that is Harry Styles and Flo Pugh, the stars of uh, last week's big premiere, Don't Worry Darling. And uh, even if you haven't heard the movie, you might have heard a lot of the controversy around the movie um, in fact, Don't Worry Darling is probably more famous for its controversy now than its actual contents. Yeah. Um, but I did go and check it out. All right. I like Harry. I like Flo. Uh, I used to like Olivia Wilde. I don't know. I'm not really feeling her anymore. Something's happening in her older age. Who really knows what happened between her and Ted Lasso? But it seems odd for a mom to leave her kids for a damn near 15-year younger male. But hey, whatever. We don't know what the fuck was going on. Ted Lasso could be a cocksucker in real life. We don't know, okay? <laughs> but uh, oh, Joe Coglin, that is my cuz. What the hell is he doing in here? That guy's a warrior, by the way. You watch out for that purple J in the live stream. He'll fucking like ninjutsu your ass or jujitsu your ass. <laughs> He's a little guy like me, but actually did something physically with it and like went to college for wrestling and all that fun stuff. So he's, nice. he's actually he's actually talented as a short man. <laughs> but anyways, back to Don't Worry Darling. So, uh, Nick, you, you're familiar with the controversy, right? Like Florence Pugh yep. refused to promote it because uh, she accused Olivia and Harry of essentially stalling the production because of their love affair. And, uh, you know, it was Chris Pine spitting on people or not all this weird shit. So whatever. The movie came out last week. 
Um, it's I, I would call it kind of a it's a thriller, a mystery thriller uh, set in the 50s. There is a bit of a twist. I'm sure you could probably figure it out if you've seen some of the trailers. Uh, but, you know, with everything uh, about the, the odd production and the boycotting of the promotion and, and really the poor critical response to the film, I will say that I found it to be enjoyable. All right, Nick, it's it's I know you and Taylor were, were considering going. If you have not gone yet, I would still say, you know what, go check it out. It's It's not a bad two hours at the movies. What it what it did lack is the tension that I that I envisioned Olivia was going for. Uh, I, I never really felt tense when the subject matter calls for tension almost throughout. So you lose some of that. Um, it is a little there there it gets plot holy. Things are explored and never finished. But ultimately, by the end, you kind of get the gist of the movie. The, the the twist, I wouldn't say, is a huge surprise, but it, it's still like, oh, okay, that's that's what's going on. And you get some great performances from Flo. Uh, Chris Pine is good. I know Harry kind of got shit on, but, you know, for, for a good-looking superstar singer, he did okay. Uh, women out there, if any women still listen to this show, I would imagine the sex scenes in this movie are what you want to see in a sex scene. They are very sensual, lots of heavy petting and kissing. And, you know, again, it's directed by a a woman and she was kind of going for that. So those are pretty, those are pretty hot as well. Like, like Flo, Florence Pugh, I never quite had an attraction to her, Nick, but after seeing this, it's like, God damn, she is. There is something about her, you know, she, she's a short, stocky girl. She kind of, she's one of my type of humans, you know, little, stocky, uh, but, but quite sexy. So don't worry, darling. I, I wouldn't say, I would say the critic reviews are a little harsh. Uh, to me, it's more like a, you know, 65, 70, could push up to a 75 if you wanted to. Um, but there, there's worse shit out there to watch. Uh, bat, yeah, you definitely there. There's I've I've actually never seen Stepford Wives from start to finish, but there are elements in this movie that I've that I've read about. Um, so it, it, it's interesting, but it's nothing that, like I said, you're going to be on the edge of your seat, and when you get the twist, you just go, "Holy shit!" Something like that, <laughs> but not too bad. So Nick, I'd say if you still haven't seen it, it's it's worth taking the lady out for a date, if anything else. Yeah, I think um, we're probably going to go see it sometime either this week or this weekend. So. Uh, it's on the to-do list for sure. Yeah, Tone's in here. He's he's getting himself all chubbed up over Bix. Don't worry, we'll we'll talk about Bix, who uh, I think is already one of the best female Star Wars characters to date, just in three episodes of content. But we'll we'll get there. Don't worry. Uh, we're now moving on to the Rings of Power, in particular S one E five, the most recent episode that came out. And as I, you know, we're not, we're not going to spend a ton of time on this because I want to get to the Andor stuff too, just like I know you all want to get to the Andor shit. I get it. All right. We, we feel you. Okay. But I just told Nick, I'm like, dude, after I finally watched the Rings of Power with clarity in my brain. Okay. Not too many <laughs> beers, that type of stuff. And at the end of episode five to myself, I was like, holy shit, that was, that was the best episode to date in this first season of Rings of Power. And I explained to Nick the reason I felt that way is because, to me, as I've been saying for the past few weeks, it's been a lot of build-up, 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 build-up. Very Andor-like. Maybe yep, even yep. slower than Andor. 
Um, Andor's not as rich in terms of the history you're learning that you get in Rings of Power, but kind of the same rollout. Very slow, 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 setting up all the pieces. But it felt like finally, Nick, in episode five, that all the pieces are on the board and now they are being moved into position to ultimately, ho- hopefully over the, the final three episodes, um, bring us to our, our, our major moment of, of episode one, which could be a conflict, and then kind of set us up with a, with a cliffhanger and a path forward moving into season two. So um, I, I definitely found this to be the best episode, Galadriel and, and Brand they're on their way. They've worked through their shit. Yep. Uh, we ch- we checked back in with the Harfoots, learned a bit more about the, the the mystery man, your boy, the pretty boy who we're thinking is Anatar made his first appearance. Yep. Uh, we we mm-hmm. learned Ar- Arda is not Sauron. He's he's some elf orc leader that whatever. Yeah. Um, but I enjoyed it. So how about you? Uh, I mean, this is my favorite show on TV right now. Um. Yeah, it's just like you said, the the difference between this and Andor for me is that there's so much history that's being revealed. And in my opinion, given what they had to work with and giving like the massive task of of creating a a Tolkien show without any like what I would say, like clear, hard direction like they had with Lord of the Rings, the trilogy and with The Hobbit, like they're doing a pretty fantastic job of of like paying homage to the history as it's written by Tolkien and adding context in places that they need to. Um, so I think that they're doing a fantastic job with that. I think that some of the, like some of the, even like the little drops that you got, like the, you know, if for people who know like deep cut lore about Tolkien stuff, like the, the image depicting the battle between Glorfindel and the Balrog at the end or, you know, towards the, uh, end of the first age at the fall of the city of Gondolin was really cool. They used that as like a segue to explain how the mineral Mithril was created, which obviously that's not canon, but the, the fight between Glorfindel and the Balrog is, um, you know, it, it, it's just, I think they're doing a great job with what they have. I think a lot of the criticisms of that show is like, well, you can tell that Tolkien didn't write it. It's like, well, yeah, no shit. Tolkien's been dead for a long time. And so has his I mean, grandson. He didn't even write. He didn't even write Silmarillion, really. Yeah, like I his, mean, his, his his grandson son, wrote that. <laughs> or I think his, Chris wrote it. Yeah, Chris Christopher Tolkien wrote that. So like, you're not gonna get like, it's just impossible to write how the Tolkien's wrote. Like, it's just not gonna happen. And it's dude. So, I mean, I still anyone that's watching this show and and you want deeper insights, you you have to read the Silmarillion. But it is not a book. It is a it's like it's, an encyclopedia. Exactly. That's that yeah. poses as a book. I mean, the, the stories, some of them span thousands of years and multiple generations and multiple different names that all sound the same. So I, I get it. I, I've, I've come around to, hey, the, they've condensed everything. We talked about last week, Farazan. I mean, he shouldn't be here. The fucking um, uh, Ellen Deal shouldn't be here and Isildur shouldn't be here. But who cares? They, they've, they've jammed it all together. It's working towards ultimately what happens thousands years from now in the actual um, Time novels and dependencies and so on and so forth. But yeah, yeah I just I don't know. I, I just I finally felt like this episode finally 
got us going like here here we go now we know where we're headed you know there's a big thing going on with the elves and the dwarves and if they're going to have this peaceful transfer of mithril because Gilgalad feels like mithril is the only thing that's going to keep the um the the Light elves the Eldar. alive and and allow them to stay on middle earth without having to cross back over to the gray havens and all that fun stuff so um nick is is the young durin is that the one we see as a skeleton in uh, Fellowship of the Rings, or is that multiple yep. Durins from Durin the Four? I think that that is multiple Durins yeah, from Durin the Four. It has to be. Because what yeah. dwarves, or they dwarves, like, like three to five hundred? Okay, yeah. Yeah, okay, like 350 right. years or so. Yeah, okay. So, yeah, that's multiple Durins down, but mm-hmm. apparently <laughs> they just, they're even worse than the Targaryens, these dwarves. Yeah. They, they're just like, okay. You're Durin, you're Durin two, three, four, five, six, seven, yeah. eight, nine, <laughs> ten. It doesn't fucking matter. You're it's just like Durin, they just pal. keep it's like you're Durin, you're Hurin, you're Hurin yeah. two, you're Durin yeah, two, exactly. you're Hurin. <laughs> it's like, okay, got it, I got it. That's the only two I names did, like, that you guys could use. <laughs> the the one the one last thing about this one we'll move on to Andor. You had the love, and and it kind of plays back to the relationship between Gimli and Legolas. But yeah. he had to love Durin fucking with Elrond with that Elrond. table. He's like, yeah. hey, dude. He's like, man, that's that's really important. Or how dare you fucking take that shit? Like we, and they're like, we only use yeah, it in burials. Yeah, they're like, okay, you can have it back. And then as uh, then we find out towards the end, he's like, yeah, I was just fucking around with you guys. My uh, wife wanted a new table. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was great. Uh, it was I, great love, yeah, I love the dwarves. They, they have to be my favorite race on Middle Earth because they, that's they, they I, really, yeah. they don't give a fuck. Like, you know, the elves are clearly, they're the best. The men are clearly the worst. They're the ones that are always susceptible to failure, but they usually end up being the heroes, which is yeah. odd. Uh, but the dwarves, they, they kind of always just do whatever the fuck they want. You know what I mean? Like, they, they don't give a shit. Yeah. So it's, they're the only race that. that's not created by <laughs> Iluvatar. They're, yeah, because Ale, really? like Ale, which I believe you heard his name was spoken. He was the exactly. god of smithing, and 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 honestly... Sauron is is like a disciple of Ale, and that's why he can forge the rings, and that's why he's good at making shit. So there's your yeah. there's your lore of the rings and rings of power lore for this week. Fun stuff. All right, man, let's do it. They've they've come here to hear our Andor thoughts. Uh, I, I technically have not really reviewed it yet. We we usually save that for our breakdowns. What I have done is is kind of highlighted some of the Easter eggs in, in top moments, or I call them key moments this time. Probably a poor choice of words, not buzzwordy, worthy, or clickbaity enough. Um, failures on the content releases, but at least my soul felt cleansed. I felt like I, I purged the demons of uh, watching the first three episodes of Andor and covering <laughs> them. Um, so that if you're new here, this is kind of how we do it. We we discuss the episode, kind of give our general review, and then we will take a deep dive into its meanings, its Easter eggs, its Star Wars references, foreshadowing moments, so on and so forth. So, uh, uh, Nick, I think because it was a three-episode drop, we should approach the review as a whole, but then we'll yeah. go per episode with the with the breakdown as aspects. So, um. I guess I'll just, why not? I keep vomiting up words. I might as well keep going here. So, and or episodes one through three, my review, quick review, if you will. Um, I, I think it, it gave us everything Tony told us it was going to give us. He even told us it was going to be slow, and it is slow. Uh, those first two episodes needed the third episode, I think, for a lot of people. 
Uh, yeah. Their their decision to do the delay in three episode release was wise because <laughs> I think if you ended on that just out of nowhere rock ballad at the end of episode two where Cassian's <laughs> just trudging along and literally it wasn't that weird. I, I think Tones brought that up, but it, literally at the end of episode two, as they're you know getting ready to hit credits, Cassian's walking through that junkyard and out of nowhere it's just like. <laughs> It's like, where the fuck did this come from? But hey, it whatever. I, I guess if you if you rolled right into episode three, it kind of kept that that heart pounding tension that they're looking for. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I but think all that t- I agree with you. If you would have ended it and then had a full week wait for episode three, people would have been upset. Crazy. Absolutely um, going crazy, dude. I mean, imagine I, I, if they just did episode one. It literally yeah. just. It ends on his flashback and really nothing had happened at that nothing, point. Nothing happens. So um, they definitely needed, you know, the what, what, almost two hours of content to get it started. Like you, you yeah. basically needed a movie to kind of get, get the whole series started. And, um, you know, if we remember what, what Diego said himself, he's like, listen, you're, you're going to get this 110 minutes and it's kind of its own thing. And that's, he was exactly right. And, yeah, I didn't. I didn't mind it. Like I, I liked learning about okay, the the Canari stuff and and kind of setting up the stakes, introducing all the characters. I do think the time was well spent. Yeah, uh, it, it's just you know if you're used to Star Wars, you're not used to sadly a lot of character and world building because you're yeah. you're just expected to know who's who, what's going on. But but with Andor, especially episode one and two, I think Tony and whoever I forget the director's name, but he did all three. To- Toby Haynes. To- yeah, I Toby Haynes. I, I think they did a really good job of setting up this universe, uh, setting up Cassian, providing the stakes, showing us, you know, why he was on uh, Morlana one. Uh, the, the the flashbacks were great. They they provide. I loved how they would parallel kind of the shit he was getting into in the, in the present, especially during the third episode where literally the end, it was probably my favorite cinematography and editing where they showed Casa being taken from Canari as Cassian's more or less being taken from Ferrix by Luthen. It it's was like the, uh, to two life changing events. Exactly. And life. like you even, you yeah. even get like those flash brights or, or light brights, you know, just kind of signaling like, Hey, this is a major change for this character yeah so um but but by the time you get to episode three at least for me as soon as three started from start to finish i felt tense yeah Uh, it it was it was the feeling i was kind of looking for and don't worry darling i did get it in andor episode three where literally because you know what's happening like you know he's been caught uh captain douche from the prelox morlana corpo whatever you know he's got this bug up his ass they're coming to to look for him uh you can see how he's getting his friends in trouble by having them lie for him and cover for him and uh it it all builds up to that that gunfight and that still in my opinion nick and we talked about before because it was in that special 10 minute preview yeah that that scene between luthan and cassian even seeing it for the second time is in my opinion, some of the best written purely spoken dialogue star Wars I've ever seen because it was fantastic. It was fantastic. You, you, you understand from both of these men, how freaking important 
the the idea of a rebellion is not so much from Cassian yet. He's rebelling, but on his own. Where Luthen is doing it on a a, a galaxy size scale, and yeah. you can see Luthen knows like this is my guy. This guy is going to help turn the fucking tide. I need to get him, and I need to convince him. And and I just I love the 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 just the the exchange they have. I I think it's fantastic, and uh, it has cemented Luthen as a. A, a pretty rad character in my opinion i i like this guy i want to learn more about him and, and his motivations yeah uh, so tony what can i say i mean he in my opinion so far has paid off on the mountain of hype that he laid out i i we we got a lot of speaking parts and weren't just hello you know i mean that random dude on the shuttle that character actor talking to luthan i mean that's that's world building. That's character building. He, if you listen to what he was saying while throwaway, he's talking about what it's like to be a businessman uh, under the empire and, and, the, and the deals you have to make and the places you have to go and the people you have to kind of schmooze. So um, I, I think episode one through three, because it was a one through three drop, nailed what Gilroy and his team were looking for in the early runs of Andor and they really did kind of prop up the character and the series to be quite a banger moving on into the final nine episodes. So I, yeah. I was a fan. I mean, it, I, I think it, the, the ratings it's getting are deserved. Yeah, I was a fan. I do wish that they wouldn't have shown basically the climax of all three episodes prior to when the show came out. True. I, I, w- I wish I would have seen that for the first time in the episode because it, like I, I got there and it was an enjoyable scene, but like when it first started, I was like, I almost just want to fast forward because yeah, I've already it, seen it and I already yeah, know it, what I, I get that. It it, it uh, removed any of that that tension of them being yeah. cornered. Because like that is that is like the the crescendo of all of your suspense, and that's almost like you 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 shot it before the show was even out. So that's my only grievance that I have with the three episodes. Um. I I don't mind that it's slow obviously like I don't care that it's slow if it's if the, if the if the pace is because you're doing things to set up and give context and build you know build the world around you um I'm fine with it like so it being slow for the first two episodes were fine because you were giving context needed context to what's going on in this section of of the galaxy um so I I had no problems with that um I did like all of the characters that were introduced. Um, B2 um, was a very interesting take on like what would seem to be like an astromech type of droid. Yeah, let, let's, let's, I'm glad you brought him up because I don't know if you remember, Nick, but the first time I saw B2, I was kind of negative. I was, I was being kind of a dick. I was like, look at this fucking schlub ass droid. <laughs> really? You really think I'm going to, I'm going to like another droid, Tony. And you know what? I fucking love B. I mean, B almost has more fucking heart and soul than any droid we've seen. To me, he's like a combination of Dio, just because of the stutter, uh, a little BB-8, a little C-3PO, right? Because he's always kind of hesitant and want to follow the rules and doesn't want to go against what his master's saying. But B, really, I I was surprised at how taken I was with B and how, like, he's... He's he's special, you know. He's got to charge himself to just do basic shit. Like, yeah. like I, I don't have enough power to lies. lie. I love that shit. He's like, I can't. Yeah. I don't have enough power to lie twice for you, Cassian. So, uh, B was cool. Uh, Marva, I I love the shit there, and Clem, and 
How about Serial Karn, the the fresh faced corpo lieutenant that acts just like any other shithead lieutenant you've seen portrayed in like a World War II movie where you can tell his platoon thinks he's a big jerk off and they only listen to the sergeant. And then you get the fat sergeant who's also fantastic. So, yeah, yeah man, I mean, the, the, the characters here from top to bottom, be it in your face leads, background or supporting so far have been kick ass except for tim fuck you tim (laughs) but we'll talk more about tim in our breakdown yeah yeah so i mean yeah overall like i have i have no uh no issues with how the show's gone so far um i can see i i will say that like i don't get the i don't get the whole deal about like giving a show a rating especially a season of television before it's finished like yeah that's odd like they like there's 90% on Rotten Tomatoes and you're not even, you're like a third, not even a third of the way through this series yet. Like also, this is why I just don't generally give a fuck about, about ratings either. Like, uh, it's just nonsensical to say that, it, that it, a full, a full season of TV is an X rating out of 10 before you've even yeah, seen half of makes it. Makes sense. Um, if you want to give an individual like episode by episode basis, that's fine. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that he's done a good job. I, I do need to see the pace pick up, hopefully. In, I, I, like, I think forward. naturally I'm, I'm with you, man. But I, I think it just felt like with each episode, it was getting faster and faster and more like, OK, we, we know where we're heading now. And, you know, we'll, we'll save this for speculating on episode four. But I but I have I have a lot of ideas for what's going to be happening on Ferrix now that he's left because of the, the, the shit that went down and then obviously where he is headed uh, but we'll we'll get there. Before we move into breaking things down, a few more review points. I I'm not gonna lie. I once again he he wasn't wrong. The the practical sets are a fucking thing of beauty. My God, does it feel like a lived in universe? Everything about it. I mean, Tim's apartment with two M's. I mean, it, it felt real. The whole really the whole town of Ferrix. If you remember, that's that leaked shot where we got. Nick, it was like a like a like a drone shot where it looked like they built a whole fucking city and sure as shit they did. And that that is Ferrix. And it just works. I mean, Canari worked. Morlana One worked. Uh, Ferrix worked. Everything feels alive, lived in, existed. And I'm not someone that hates the volume. I, I, I appreciate that technology and, and I still don't think Kenobi's visuals or Book of Boba Fett's visual affected my enjoyment of the series in the least, but it is noticeably different Andor that is compared to Mando book and uh oh shit, what's the other one we and uh, fuck Kenobi. Obi-Wan. Right? Like yeah. in terms of the cinematography, it is it's night and day, and it really does yeah. feel I think that's where you get that that extra layer of grittiness that a lot of people have been thrown out there about Andor. Andor's grit, right? It's gritty. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely a gritty show. the The one thing that I was worried about right up front was that he was just going to make Jason Bourne in space, like you know the when when we see the interaction in the very beginning of the first episode where they're in the bar, he's looking for somebody. And then he has an inner, like he gets into the scuffle with the two uh, 
corpos and and kills them both. I was like, this is just going to turn into Jason Bourne in space, which is fine. Like it would have been fine. If <laughs> you, you're just waiting for casting to go around, and every scene he's kicking the shit out of. He's someone, just right? like beating the fuck out of everybody. And I was, <laughs> and like, if that was the case, I would have been like, okay, well, you know, not too surprising given that like Tony's biggest successes were the Bourne films, right? Um, but it didn't turn out to be like that. So I, I was happy that he he gave. Cassie in his own identity. Yeah, man. I mean, uh, as much as yeah. we shit on him, Lord Gilroy, his writing is is pretty damn good so far. <laughs> I mean, what what can you say? It's it's yeah. hard to really knock what we watched. I mean, it was it's exactly what he told us, and it was of the level of quality that he said it would be. So uh, I I was happy with it. And you know, last week we were talking about things we wanted to to see or feel or we were expecting. And while I'll say that you you don't get that Star Wars fantastical feel that you would get in, say, a Mando or an Obi Wan Kenobi, you don't, right? Yeah. Like I I didn't feel that at all. But it still felt Star Wars, and it's a version of Star Wars that I'm finding I I, I quite enjoy. Uh, I, I'm always going to be the, the wizard type of guy. I'm always going to be into that lore, the, the, the fantastical mystical shit lore over just kind of real life politics in a sci-fi setting, but it still worked. It, it still very much felt like star Wars, even without getting the planet names and seeing some familiar vehicles. It, it, it felt like that far, far away galaxy, but it was missing that fantastical magic. And, but I think that's okay. I, I like the difference. Uh, and uh, that's kind of big for me because I'm not one of these guys that's like Rogue One is the best thing I've ever seen. Yeah. I enjoy it. I think it's well made, but I never, it always felt like it was missing that magic, the Star Wars magic. Yeah. I'm not feeling that in Andor, even though now, it doesn't touch on all the, the wizardry. Now, what I will say is that the first three episodes can do that because they were kind of a self-contained on Ferrix slash Morlana one story where you essentially don't have known and, and, you know, established characters there for you to interact with. Like th this is, these are planets that were completely new to Canon. These are yep. people that you're interacting with that are completely new to Canon. But once I've always, I, I said in the last couple episodes that like, the thing that will that will really make or break this show is like when you get to situations where you have to interact with known characters, does he do it and does he do it properly? So because now we're moving into the I mean, like maybe not the next episode because the, he may take some time to go from like just jumping off of Ferrix to yeah, actually I mean, they, getting within they, they the They probably have to they probably have to get away at first. Yeah, I mean, they, they're exactly. more than likely going to have to hide somewhere and possibly that's when they go to Saul's. I don't know, but but. To your point, so you're saying once he gets to talk to like a Saul, you're expecting to feel a certain level of of, of, of quality or Star Wars-ness? Is that what you're saying here? Yeah. Well, also, like, I don't want him to, to just say like, well, I don't want to use established characters because I don't want to. Oh, where yeah, yeah. There okay, should okay. be established characters that are gotcha. being used. So you're, you're more talking about Tony and his I, I don't deal in cynical cameos yeah, statement. Okay. You know, I think the one thing that I brought up before is like if he brings in a random like imperial like admiral that is supposed to be like the head of, you know, hunting down rebel cells later in the show and it's not Thrawn, then like you're just you're not you're not not doing fan service. You're doing a disservice to the yeah, actual no, I, canon. I'm with you there. So I, yeah, it doesn't that, make that's sense. That's why like. 
like these three episodes were fantastic, but th- that's why I was saying with the review thing is like, you have to wait until you get to like the end of yeah. a season before you review it. I, I've, I've really impressed with where it's come so far, but now that we're moving into a, a, a space in the galaxy that is more broad and does have characters that we are familiar with in it. I think that, um, this You're is where it's going to get see into. them because yeah. it, it, it makes sense. Like it doesn't, yeah. it doesn't make sense to leave them out just so you can, you know, wag your penis around and say, Hey, I didn't have any, I didn't legacy have any of characters. these people in it yeah. <laughs> or something, you no know, like cynical cameos with a big red circle and a slash yeah. through it like that. Yeah, All exactly. Right. So I, 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 Cause I do think that you can use established characters without it being a cynical cameo. Like yeah, that's, of that's, course. That's I, I mean, we know he's, he's at least been able to do it with Saul and Mon Mothma. Now, does he expand yeah. beyond that? We don't know because he won't tell us and he seems very against it. So we'll, we'll, we'll just have to see. Yeah. Um, I, I wonder if we even get into Mon's part of the story by episode four, if that's further down the road. But like I said, we'll, that's we'll what speculate. I was saying is like maybe later in the season for her. So we'll, 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 see. we'll speculate on what we think is going to happen tomorrow after we get through all this stuff. So there you go. I mean, I, in terms, it sounds like from the both of us are uh, we're, we're pretty high on Andor for, through the first three. Uh, so far, we are, are still on board with Tony and his vision and everything that he kind of postulated about this series so far as being paid off on, which is good. You know, he's he's not just a a hype man. There's actually some weight behind what he's saying uh the 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 realistic sets kind of add a gravitas to the show the dialogue is excellent all the characters you can now see nick that yeah that that 190 plus speaking parts is for for sure legit and you know yeah some of them are we're just going to see him in a scene but like i said they're even that fucking conversation i'll go back to it between luthan and that that sales guy that just adds world building it, 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 yeah. and like if you listen to what he's saying it it adds some lore too and i i like that little shit it you don't get you don't get like uh, clerk style conversations in star wars too often so it's nice to to kind of get that just common joe or, or june perspective which uh andor seems it's going to latch on to the common folk the unsung heroes of the galaxy versus the the big names and titles and uh, king this or senator that. So good stuff. Yeah, no, definitely agree. Definitely agree. All right. So now let's go. We're going to go through each episode. We're going to start with uh, the Easter eggs and then get into some of the key moments, some interesting things that we might have uh, picked up on. But as Nick was kind of saying before we went live, this this really isn't a series that, that goes for heavy Easter eggs, and I'm quite okay with that. But I, I still cooked up some Easter eggs for all three. You can check out the shorts on our YouTube channel in the uh, shorts playlist or Andor playlist. So here we go. So episode one. Uh, the, the the slower of episodes kind of starting with uh, Easter eggs and references. And for the first time, Nick, in a Star Wars show, a new Star Wars show, we didn't fuck around with any desert planets, no black yes. desert planets, no, uh, you know, brown desert planets. We finally have life. It's like wherever I, I think Morlana one and Ferrix were the first planets introduced. Uh, they are new planets. They were introduced in episode one. Um, they're in the corporate sector, so they're in this this free trade sector of the galaxy. Uh, I believe mid rim. I, I I can't remember. Uh, but then we also um, got Canari, uh, which I know is in mid rim and is in close yeah. proximity to Takadana and Naboo, 
which kind of makes sense if you if you look at Canari's kind of vegetation and compare it to Naboo and Takadana, very alive, right? Lots of green yeah. forest trees. So it was right off the bat, Tony breaks from what all these other uh, writers and directors have been doing in these Star Wars TV shows and actually gives us some new planets that yeah. aren't deserts. What I will say about um, Canari and, and it being mid-rim is that it feels weird that it's a mid-rim planet, which are highly traveled planets. Like you yeah. said, you know, Takadana, you know, one of the biggest hubs for scum and villainy, I guess you could put it, you know, with Maskinata's castle and, and everything else. And then Naboo being Naboo, obviously. And then you have Ferrix where you have what undiscovered tribes because people just don't go there. <laughs> like, Canari, yeah. Canari. 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 Trust not me. Ferrix, yeah. Canari. Say, save all this good stuff on Canari <laughs> because I have a whole other topic on this. Cause you're right. Like okay. there, there's, there is something fucked up going on this yeah. planet. Okay. Beyond yeah. some bullshit mining disaster that's in the Imperial database like that. That's a bunch of horse shit, but we'll, we'll get there. Don't worry. There, there's lots of stuff that, I'm sure by now a lot of you have kind of picked up on or read or maybe even watched my dumbass videos and got clued in. But Nick is right. You, you don't have this mid-rim planet looking like some outer rim backwood shithole that has literally tribes on it. Yeah, so oh. like it's almost like it seems like it's lost tribes of the Amazon on, yeah. on uh, that, that's, or That know. somehow have found like modern day parts and shit to scavenge to make their camp and their clothes. So come on. But like I said, let's sit on that for a minute, but I'm glad you, uh, you two have similar questions. So, uh, right off the bat, like I said, we get three, three new planets. Uh, I think the Morlana one is very interesting because I, I, I can't ever think in any, at least moving pictures property of star Wars that we have really ever dealt with the corporations that kind of popped up under the empire and how they were essentially extensions of the empire. Like they, they were yeah. allowed to operate kind of like how the huts were allowed to operate in the outer rim where the empire's like, you know what? As long as you kind of pay us our tribute and, and keep shit in control, you know, keep the peace, keep order, it, you do whatever the fuck you want in, yeah. in your corporate zone. Like, we don't care. You can have your own fucking security forces for all we care. So I, it was cool kind of getting a, a look at that type of system and planet and how Morlana 1 has jurisdiction over a Ferrix and, and how that's causing problems. And as we saw already causing some form of rebellion, even though probably just contained within that city on, on Ferrix. So yeah, uh, good stuff there with the planets sticking with eggs. It took me a minute. I, I had to do some research on this one. I'm like, uh, where have I seen these beasts before? Those ones Dogs, that were getting yeah. ready to the, the ones that was pissing on B right at the beginning <laughs> of, of episode yeah. one, they're, they're Karelian hounds. And, and we first saw those in solo, uh, so that one, I, I did have to do a little research to figure out, all right, I, I know these aren't the masses, but I'm pretty sure we've seen these before, and sure enough, yeah. they come from Solo. Uh, what else we got here? Well, I mean, Casa, we, we knew this was coming, that, that Cassian wasn't his real name, but now we get it, we hear his little sister speaking it to him when we first meet Cassian on his now-confirmed home planet of Canari. Uh, which is not fest, which is kind of what it used to be. Uh, what else we got here? This guy, 
How about, did anyone else, and this would have been on Ferrix, you would have saw this big alien almost wearing like a backhoe as his uniform, right? Like literally yeah, it, it, wearing it a like backhoe. Thing, it almost looks like the, the mech suit from Alien. Yeah, um, exactly. Like that yeah. Sigourney gets in and, and, and it, fights yep, yep. the big queen and calls her a bitch and all that stuff. <laughs> this dude, and I guess just for the sake of the show, He's the same guy we, that we see on Jakku in The Force Awakens, sporting the same fucking getup. So, oh wow, yeah, Good his call. name is his name is Rudown. I looked it up. He's Rudown, <laughs> and uh, it may not be the exact same alien, but it, either way, it's a very similar alien. You will see this guy if you're on the live stream. If not, make sure to check out our breakdown post on StarWarsTime.net. But you'll see this alien wearing that uh, essentially a like like Nick said the uh, Sigourney Weaver loader thingy from alien two or aliens. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, sticking with our eggs for episode one. Now, you know, they may not be meant for pod racing engines, but I, I found that Bix's shop, if someone wanted to get in pod racing, they could hit her up and at least secure some parts it to build them, a, does. build them a pod yeah. racer. You know what I mean? So do you think uh, that Tony was just like, I just need some shit to put in the background and the prop guys were like, let's slide some stuff in here and just not tell them that it's from other stuff. Exactly. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, they just repurpose this from Pelly's shop from the Mandalorian. Yeah. There's like, here's some shit from <laughs> from Pelly's garage. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I, obviously they're probably uh, ship engines or speeder engines. But yeah. if you look at pod racers, that's they're more especially anakins that's what they are they're that, mishmash that apart so very very similar why yeah. not we're, we're we're sticking for we're sticking with it those are pod racing engines all right everyone's favorite douche tim with two m's Ugh. hate this guy i hated him the moment i <laughs> i met him and knew like what what we were what tim or i'm sorry what tony was doing with him and why this character was included i was like fuck this guy and and thankfully the corpos yeah. felt the same way but the reason we're talking about Tim with two M's right now, and yes, that's how he has to be referred to because he is a dildo <laughs> like that, is because if you hear him when he's coming out to spy on his uh, lady love, you hear him, he's like, hey, you want to go on the Wobani run? And Wobani is the planet we first, uh, where uh, K2 clotheslines Jyn Erso after the rebels rescue her from that prison transport. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, Bonnie is that that planet, and they, it sounds like they were trying to go there to scavenge. Yeah. So that was a nice. Matt, in call. this picture, do you think that in that background, that is three Jawas stacked on top of each other? Oh wow, look at that! That is <laughs> fucking. What is that, dude? Nice pickup. That's Darth Plagueis. It's, it's Darth him. Plagueis. We do it. We found first, it. <laughs> heard it here first. It does look like three jaw was stuck. What the hell is that? Out. Damn, dude. Now you got me all. That's a Sith. That, that's Sidious. He's spying on Tim because he wants some of that Bix too. You that's picked right. it. You got it, dude. That's Sidious. Ugh. He's coming to try to get a little Bix action. It out already. And he hates Tim with two M's just like the rest of the world, except for it looks like work more or less is a big Tim fan. Yeah, <laughs> fuck Tim. I got like, you know, I could see why Tim wanted to, to get it on with Bix. That's okay. It's the fact that he's a little cunt. He's a little yeah, you cunt. Give up Cassian for no, because you're jealous of him. Yeah, that, that's what a bitch move, man. You? Like, if anything, have a man to man with him. Be like, yo, dude, are you still fucking her? No, I'm not. I just use her to, to talk with this Luthan guy. All right, fine. Get get it out of your system. But no, he, he does the little bitchy thing. Oh, oh Cassian's talking to Bix. <laughs> I'm going to call the Corpos. <laughs> My name's Tim with two M's. 
<laughs> so yeah, fuck him. All right. So those are your, um, oh, sorry. Last one. Oh, I didn't include the image, but the, well, here we go. There we go. Y-Wing in the uh, shipyard on Ferrix. Okay. And, and we'll get to some of the other ships once we get to episode two. Don't worry. I, I definitely saw that ship. All of you are going, did you see that ship? Did you see that? Of course I saw that fucking ship. Watch my videos, people. How dare you ask me questions like that before you watch my breakdowns. Okay. So top moments. And these are loose because, you know, in slow burns, it's kind of fine. It's hard to find eggs, references, and key moments. But for episode one, why the fuck not? I absolutely love the title reveal for Andor. It's very like 2001. I almost yeah. hear that. Duh, 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 duh. You know what I mean? Like it's just, <laughs> yeah. it's that I love how slow it is. And it's just that me it's it, there. There's a, Building. there's kind of like a synth vibe to it too. Right? Like a little, a little Blade Runner type of music's playing behind it as it rolls out and fully unfurls itself, and you see Andor in the Rebel Crest. I loved it. It's not going to make the top moment of every episode, but I figured for episode one, we might as well um, get it out there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh, another top moment, or key moment, I guess. Key. These are key moments, key moment. Nick. I, I do, I, I like Nick, you know, it... It, it was like, okay, is he just going to fucking beat it, beat up people all the time and shoot people uh, after this scene? But I do think the moment with the two corpos on Morlana one was, was a key moment because it showed us that yes, this dude, even now Cassian is, is ready to do whatever the hell it takes. Truly yeah. whatever. It, it doesn't matter what mission he's on because right now he's on a mission for himself. He's still looking for his sister. He's not doing anything important for the rebellion, nothing for his adopted mother. This is all for him, but he yep, still, yep. he still goes there. Right. And by there, I mean, he doesn't even fuck around. He shoots the dude point blank with a blaster to the face. Yep. Right in the head. So, so he I, like, you can just tell that he's desperate. Like from from the very beginning, from from the first scene where you see Cassian as an adult, he's desperate. He's yeah, in he, desperation. He's being mode. stupid, right? I mean, yeah. if you you know, in episode two, I think, or when Marva finds out, well, like, how did they know about this? And he's like, well, it was kind of me. Yeah, it's like yeah. I've been. So telling you're right. People. You're right. He is very. <laughs> right. He is very desperate, and just getting himself on more line on one and asking these types of questions are what ultimately kick off the whole fucking series i mean that that was kind of the the macguffin is is yeah. his sister if you will and in, in the search for her so um yeah i i, I really like this scene and it it, it kind of reminds you of the casting we first meet in rogue one where you know I, i'll still remember that i mean it, that had to have been a shock to any star wars fan because we never really saw anything like that from a quote-unquote good guy where he's he's working with an informant, he gets what he needs, and then he just fucking wastes the dude. You're like, what? Nice. That's something Darth Vader would do, not a not a rebel. Uh, so it was nice seeing that you know Cassian, if he has to, he will he will go there. Yeah, um, just aging age for Cassian is odd here, Nick, because I I read something where it, supposedly in Rogue One he's supposed to be 26, so they're saying he's 21 here, and he's probably about. 10 in those flashbacks during the beginning of the clone war. So I don't know what the fuck's yeah. going on with his age, but 
uh, he he's he's more than likely in his twenties during. Yeah, Andor. He, he looks rough for twenty one. Yeah, <laughs> like he's yeah, like a like the. Grand- you remember the scene where they pull up his his um his mug shot? His like, mu- yeah, that looks like an early twenties Cassian. <laughs> the yeah. the Cassian in five BBY. He looks like he's, you know, you have to kind of pretend that he's still in his early 20s, but that's technically where he should be. But, you know, like I said, we'll we'll kind of get in the timelines with the Canary shit. Uh, And then finally from episode one, a key moment here. Speaking of of Canary, it really is. It's just learning that this dude who ultimately helps bring down the first Death Star came from... Lord of the Flies. I mean, I, yeah. I, I can't think of a better way to put it. He came from a, an uncivilized, from what at least we saw, an uncivilized tribe that, that they, they don't even speak galactic basic. I mean, you've never seen a Star Wars show where humans have spoke a language that doesn't even get subtitled. So that, that was new. That's, I think yeah. that was just showing like these people are so disconnected from the galaxy because of whatever situation they're in that they are truly lost in time almost yeah uh, so i just and i liked learning that like this dude literally came from a tribe that had no technology no adults all kids and clearly they suffered some form of trauma because you don't just have kids on a planet by themselves with modern gear and tech they've scavenged from somewhere it's not like yeah. you can grow metal on a fucking planet they, they got the metal from somewhere they've got these clothes from somewhere but we'll talk about that in a little bit so in a bit. yeah um I, I just i it's nice knowing that hey you know heroes can come from the most modest of beginnings i think is the uh the more moral of the story here tones is saying yes um yeah tones you're right there is a line in rogue one where cassian says he's been fighting from the age of six and i think we all just have to kind of now assume that cassian has been marooned and that's what i'm going with i don't think any of these kids were born on canary i'm thinking they maybe they were and the adults got taken or maybe they crash landed who the fuck knows but there is a good there is reason to think that Cassian and these other kids have come across outsiders before and have maybe have had to, you know, fuck around with it. So he's yeah, definitely not six can, in these flashbacks. I'm yeah, with you. You can There's tell no by their, like they saw the wreck and they like organize. They're like, okay, here's exactly. another time for yeah, us that, to go and fuck scavenge. Like, and you could see by their weaponry too, like their weaponry was, was crafted. It was metal poles and stuff that was probably taken from From another wreck or or another building yeah exactly so they are scavengers and like like matt said when we get to the speculation piece on what happened on canary all i can say again another tease i'm really tickling your tits with this (laughs) canary stuff but um it's just there's there's so much to unpack with Canary. It's crazy. I mean, you got they're saying there's Republic when they're wearing CIS patches, and you got kids and no adults. You got a mind that already looks like it had a disaster because some of the buildings are broken down, disheveled. So what the hell's going on? What what time truly is it? Is it the beginning of the Clone Wars or in the middle or at the end? Who the fuck knows? But like I said, we will we will get there. I've got plenty to kind of speculate, and and I really do hope Nick moving forward. And I think there is. A lot of people are like, well, he he got off a of canary, so what's the point of revisiting? Well, you got to remember, the show kicked off with him searching for his sister. So even though he's in a world of shit right now with uh, the Corpos and soon to be the Empire, 
he's not just going to give up that quest. And I think yeah. his his quest for his sister is going to allow for uh, Andor moving forward to give us some more flashbacks. I hope because I, I need to I need to know some shit about Canari. But anyways. Here we go. Moving into episode two, starting with some of the Easter eggs, which which definitely had more than episode one, but still not what I think we are used to from a Star Wars TV show. Um, up first, and I, I bet no other outlet picked up on this, and that's why you need to tune the F into the Star Wars time show. But those buzzards pecking at the metal, those are steel peckers. First introduced mm-hmm. in The Force Awakens, as Ray is heading into town, you see one pack, 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 pack on a piece of metal. So right yeah. there, that's that's how you know I am supreme leader. Uh, <laughs> up next, the one that, you know, is like, hey, did you see this? Of course I saw it. If you look in the back right, if you're on the live stream, if not, again, just just pull up the... Uh, our, our, our breakdown for Andor Season 1 through 3 in web form. But that is very clearly a VCX-100 spaceship. Is it the ghost? Who the fuck knows? But just like the Millennium Falcon, it was a model that was made and was, people would yeah. buy them and they'd fly them around. So uh, while it would be fun to think that, you know, maybe Hera and, and, and Zeb and them made a stop on Ferrix for shits and giggles, we, we can't really confirm that one way or the other. But we can definitely tell you that that is the exact same model of hair spaceship the ghost 100% the VCX 100 yeah this is uh, another one like that right there that's some shit that i think like gets put in later and tony doesn't even know about it <laughs> like well yeah if they you, don't even they don't even tell him cuz i don't know they man don't like tell him. <laughs> they just you, fill this shit with shit they, he's just like okay this is all ships so just put ships there i got a question like, right, do you we'll think do you think these were all practical or, or is that just really good CG for these? I ships? think it's probably some, maybe there are some that are practical, but there are definitely some that are CG too, especially like when you get into like the distance shots and stuff like that, because there's, there's no fucking way that Disney is going to pay prop masters to build full size ships for a shot that is essentially like a right. shot like this that you only see for 15 seconds. Like, yeah, because I mean, it, they, they, they felt real because I know that there's a scene in episode one where he's in that ship. Like he walking. took the more and, yeah. he, and he's changing out the board or whatever so they couldn't mm-hmm. track yeah. it. And, that's, I mean, that, yeah, that's definitely real. That was real. But yeah, either way, the, the shipyard was impressive. So yeah, there, there's our lovely little maybe ghost. Uh, but cool to see nonetheless. Here, here's a real cheap one here. The Imperial logo, I'm so fucking smart and eagle-eyed, aren't I? <laughs> there you go. Uh, you know what? I, I, I did like did learning about that this still unit. still the Imperial be- seal on it. <laughs> yeah, right, because we, we saw this in the 10-minute the preview, but you yeah. didn't really know what the fuck it was. Some people were like, oh, it's like Darth Vader's chest plate. I'm like, well, why the fuck would the Empire be rolling around with those like spares of that? Like, come on. Yeah. But to learn that it's, a, it, it's something called a Star Path unit, in which you could essentially track within nine parsecs where any Imperial fleet or ship was at. So, yeah, yeah, that's a pretty important device and one that they probably should have taken. And it's something, Nick, that I think is not going to lend Cassian's friends well on Ferrix once the Empire gets wind that, A, some shit went down on Ferrix and the Corpos got their ass kicked. Remember the the tip of the spear? Yep. And B... We found the fucking stolen Star Path unit. So now it's time to really start fucking putting the screws to Ferrix. So 
um, as we, we'll, we'll speculate on what we think is going to happen. But I, I think Cassian's acts again and in involving his friends and uh, ex- extended family are going to uh, really bring some pain down on them in the next few episodes from the Empire itself. Yeah. Uh, the, the the Empire, especially the ISB, are not going to be fans of a Star Path unit showing up on some random planet. Yeah, like uh, random mid-rim trash planet. Like From a guy that murdered Corpos that the Corpos were trying to take out. Like, it just does yeah. not look good for Bix, Marva, Brasso, you name it. Uh, it's it's probably a good thing Tim with two M's got himself taken out because yeah. he probably would have got shot in episode four anyways. It's it's not looking <laughs> good. Um, this was a fucking random one. And again, why you should pay attention to me because I am a dork and I pick up on the dumbest shit. But when Luthen's flying in, if anyone noticed, like his, his droid sounded very hoity-toity and refined. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I actually looked it up because it, it showed up in the captions. Yeah, I was saying it says the, the model of the droid in the cap. Yeah, it, it's called a Fondor droid mod. So I looked yep. up Fondor. I'm like, well, what the fuck is that? And sure enough, Fondor goes all the way back to a 1981 Star Wars comic involving Darth Vader. And it's also another kind of shipyard planet. You know, we all kind of think just, you know, the, the Kuat drive yards or shipyards, that's where they get everything. No, Fondor was another one. And Fondor is also where Vader's um, executor was built or executor, whatever way you want to pronounce it. Oh, uh, yeah. So that's so that a deep was a, cut. That was super deep, man. <laughs> that was yeah. super deep. But, you know, taking notes helps sometimes, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I just hear names. I'm like, that probably has been used before. And then I go and do Somewhere. my research. So, yes, there is some yeah. thought put into this stuff, my friends. Please watch them. Uh, how about little Casa Cassian had himself a little Bantha doll. Ban- so little Bantha cute. Doll. He's a collector, just like some of us that listen to this show. <laughs> um, here's here again. It's so hard for me to just not jump off a diving board into Canari because I. I see people in here like, oh, it's an Imperial mining planet, but it wasn't. It was a mining planet before the Empire. Come on, people! Get your shit straight! But what we're looking at here as an Easter egg, you know, we got Marva coming in either trying to gaslight us or she's been gaslighted and saying that these are Republic officers. That's not a Republic insignia. That is the insignia of the Confederacy of Independent Systems, a.k.a. the Separatists, the, yep. the League of Planets that Dooku formed to go against the Republic. So there's some weird shit going on there. But like I said, we got plenty of stuff to talk about. Canari um, coming up next. And the pyramid ships. All right, I'm going, okay, yeah. Um, I get some Dune elements there, at least OG Dune. But I was like, I swear there's been a pyramid ship in Star Wars before. So I looked it up. I just did, hey, pyramid ships. And sure as shit, and I don't know if Nick remembers this because I, I, I believe it comes from Legends, but there, there have been pyramid ships in Star Wars before, and they were called the Tho Yor. There was eight of them. The collective of ships were called the Tho Yor. And apparently, Nick, they were used by early Jedi to take them to some force planets or some shit like that. Maybe even, I think it was to take them to Tython, in fact. Uh, hmm. So so there's some history for you. Okay. Uh, it's, I, I had to like really kind of draw a through line here to make that connection. <laughs> but I was like, fuck it, pyramid ship, it looked cool, I'm going to research it, sure shit, there have been pyramid ships that look kind of like this in Star Wars before called the Tho Yor. Check it yeah. out. I, I had never heard that, but I, I do know that like deep, 
deep, like original, like OG Jedi and stuff like that, like coming off of Tython and stuff had some stuff that I'm not familiar with. So, all right. Yeah. But I, for, like I said, this is like super legend. So it's, it's all bullshit at this point in time. All right. So now we're going to move into the, the top slash key moments of episode two and whatever, call me a jerk off slapstick hammer guy is my hero. I mean that he, he gets the first top moment of episode two. <laughs> that guy loves his job. He's dedicated to it and he does it expertly. I mean, his little routine where he's, you know, taking the deep breaths, spreading yeah. his arms out. And he's like, <laughs> I mean, it's just, it just, it was brilliant. And, and that's, I honestly think all of society should be ran by one of these huge ass kettlebells in a tower. <laughs> we, we should all start our day with hammer guy and end our day with hammer guy. You know what I mean? It's, it's kind of like nice. the, I'm it's sure like by you. Bells. Well, yeah, church bells on a Sunday or on the hour, yeah. or I'm sure Texas does this, but these days I don't know what Texas does. But do you get every Wednesday at noon the air air raid sirens go off test? No, not, no, not really? over here. That's an Ohio <laughs> thing then, I guess. But in Ohio, regardless of what county you're in at noon on a Wednesday, the fucking air raid sirens go off just to, it's like they have to yeah, they have to test it. And, and that's yeah. this guy right here. But clearly, this guy is way better. Hammer guy, <laughs> we speak your name. Hopefully, the Empire doesn't shoot you in the face when they show up and you're ringing your hammer or your bell. Uh, Marva in, in, in B2, uh, just, again, I did not expect myself to kind of care about this droid. I, I thought I was just going to be able to, to write him off. But he, he really is a part of the family, just like R2 became a part of the Skywalker family. C3, C-3PO became a part of the Skywalker family. B2 obviously was part of the Andor family for many, many years, decades even. And yeah. that, that scene early on where, you know, they, they're talking like two people. So it's very similar to the relationships that we we would see between Luke and the droids and uh, Anakin and the droids. I just, I don't know. I like that, that, that bond. To me, uh, like it felt even more familial than it did yes, with like yes. R2 or 3PO. Or so like, right. like, like Cassian treated B2 like a little brother. Exactly. Like he was like, I need you. Like you need to lie to mom for me. Like, yeah. can you do that? Can you lie to mom for me? Like, Almost no, like yeah, a that, that's a great point. It, it really is. I mean, that, that you're right. It probably is like as close to a true organic family member that that we've seen with droids. Because even even the the big droids, the stars, were still treated like robots. Yeah. Uh, especially when Han Solo or Princess Leia was around. I mean, they they are not nice to see C three PO. They just he, dismissed them. Yeah, he, he yeah. deserved a lot of it. But you know, Han halftime, he's he essentially's like, just kill him for a few minutes. Turn his fucking power off. I can't stand him. Or 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 Leia, like, you shut the hell up already. Or hurry up. Come on. I don't give a shit about your your six million or your odds. They <laughs> they they were kind of abused where B and I'll tell you what, like, I, I was like, if these corpos fuck me up, I'm going to punch the TV. Like, that's how <laughs> that's how quick I kind of uh, showed favor and, and, and a little bit of uh, passion for, for B2. And it's because of these scenes and like the scenes Nick was talking about. That's a great point. Him and Cassian really are like brothers. It, it, uh, B never felt like a servant droid to Cassian, even though he was doing dirty work and errands for him. Yeah, uh, I do see like for some reason my upload is just shit today. It keeps going from red to yellow, but who cares? No one's bitching about it. 
<laughs> uh, I, I've seen some people talk about him in, in the live stream chat here, but I, I he made my list. Uh, Sergeant Linus Mosk is a great little side Star Wars character. He is that he's that prototypical gruff sergeant who his men love him, but he also knows how to talk to the ultra clean, never battle tested lieutenants, and he knows how to make them feel special. You know what I mean? I just I love the way this guy talks. He he speaks Serial's language. He's he's about law and order and getting shit done. And I mean, he's kind of the one that reinforces the Serial to not listen to his boss and go investigate the the yeah. murders. But I just I like how you know uh, rough and tough he is. He is he's like one of those guys you could see in a foxhole. Like, all right, you cocksuckers, we're gonna charge this this trench in five. Let's go. What and just runs and guys are getting blown up because they love him so much. Because he, how he carries himself, he's a leader of men. They're gonna follow him to certain death. Um, but just Nick, you also through this character and through Cyril, you get more of that great dialogue we were talking about. I mean, just the scene between these two, you could see Cyril like his smile would get brighter and brighter, listening to Mosk essentially tell him exactly what he wants to hear. You know what I mean? It's like they yeah. they play off of each other. They both have ambition, and they know if they just you know, like, hey, I'll you 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 be the sergeant, tough guy. I'll be the lieutenant. We're we're both gonna kind of get what we want, and that's some action. So, um, I I, I definitely <laughs> appreciate this character. Yeah, uh, sticking yeah, he, with serial the the douche speech, and it kind of plays into what I said. <laughs> it just I, I mean, go go watch a Band of Brothers or go watch a World War II movie. There's there's almost always a fresh faced lieutenant that shows up to a battle-tested company, and they all are just rolling their eyes. Like, look, here's another one of these West Point assholes, you know? Yep. They haven't... How many of their brothers have they seen mutilated and, and killed yet? Yeah, he's going to give us this tough speech and blah, rah, rah, rah. And it played out just like that. I mean, half the guys are falling asleep. They're, they're like, looking at the sergeant like, really, man? We got to listen to this shit? Like, this is our leader? This is the guy calling the shots? Uh, but sure shit, at the end of the speech, Nick, what does the Sarge do? Great talk, boss. The boys yeah. loved it. You know, it's just, I, I love then, that. I love that dynamic. As it always goes too. this, like that character gets all of his company fucked up and killed. Yep, so, exactly. <laughs> same shit. <laughs> it's just absolutely. I, I really like the dynamic between Cyril and uh, Linus Moss. They're, they're just, they're characters I never thought I would give two shits about. They're, and it's um, Linus in particular, you, you can tell that he was like an Imperial washout. Like he tried to join the empire. Yeah. He just, and he, he, they he were drank just like, too much spotchka and ate too many yeah. frogs out of a tank or something. Yeah. yeah. They're like, you're, you're not in shape. You're dumb. You're like, you have no sense of like when something should actually be pursued or not. Like you're going to get people killed. And he's like, fine, I'll just go into fucking the corporate security sector. And yeah. he does. And I didn't like he, white anyways. I look better in blue. Yeah. It makes yeah. my, my shape look a little more lean. Yeah. So he's like, um, he, that's a good point. They're like, ah, have you seen stormtrooper armor Linus? Do, do you really think you're yeah. cut out to, to join the, 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 the TKs here? Yeah. You might want to go check out the, the corpos on Morlana one. So yeah. Uh, I, I, we're clearly not see, we have not seen the last of these two Cyril, I think is obviously he's going to, he's going to carry on through and, and try to latch himself to the ISB agent that is more than likely coming to Ferrix. And I forget her last name. I think it's Deidre, the blonde. 
Uh, but I, I think Cyril, Cyril, knowing how he's such a a mama's boy, a Dudley Do Right, he he is going to pop wood when the ISB shows out and wants to get the bottom of these mysteries and solve some cases because clearly that's what he has a a hard on for. Um, but good good douchey characters like you you need these douchey villains. You know what I mean? Like it just yeah. It's a great foil. Like this guy, Cyril, he's he's trying his damnedest to best a, a a ruffian and just fails at every single turn. It's just it's he's so easy to hate. You know, yeah, like sometimes we get into like you get into situations in Star Wars a lot of times where you have antagonists that are easy to to not hate like it's it's easy to not hate darth vader because of course, you know where i love i love him and, I, I love when he kills people i love when he kills yeah. good people i think it's great that's a good point yeah and it's you rarely other than palpatine like you rarely get a villain in star wars that like i don't hate just palpatine like, either like he, i actually yeah. respect him <laughs> it's like but this guy you can look at him and be like you're just a fucking shithead i hate you like i hope that everything goes wrong for you and and I also hope that they don't build in some sort of like redeemable backstory for him. Yes, I hope that yeah. that he's just some sort of like like cog in the imperial slash corporate security machine who's just like a you know who just hates freedom. I hope that's what yeah, he is. No, he and has that, that to we stay. Can just you're right. to hate him. <laughs> Cyril has to stay as a an episodic loser. Like he his yeah. mission. His use for this, oh, excuse me, his, his use for this story, at least season one, is to be the episode loser. He's the one that is always going to have egg on his face at the end of an episode. I, I just have a yes. feeling that he's, that's his role, and I love it. Um, all right, so the last moment here, and this, this is a character actor. His name was Ron Cook. I didn't mention in the video. You probably most recently saw him in the first season of The Witcher. He plays the dude that turns into the gold dragon in one of the episodes. Okay. But the reason we're, we're looking at him here, Nick, and it was kind of an example of one of those world building scenes, but more importantly, his line was, was pretty slick, especially if you think about what Luthen was on Ferrix for. So this happens right at the end of episode two. And these two are talking, I'm talking about the, the businessman and Luthen on that transport. And the businessman says to Luthen, if you can't find it here, it's not worth finding. Yep. And I just thought that was beautiful writing, great foreshadowing for why Luthen was there. I mean, he is there to find in his mind, which is going to be potentially the turning tide to his yeah. burgeoning rebellion. So I, and I think it's that also not his first time. Like this isn't Luthen's first time on Ferrix either exactly. like he's we know from Bix that like he comes pretty regularly like Bix has dealings and tradings with him in the past and stuff like that so he knows that Ferrix is a place where he can go to either recruit people or get scrap information whatever he needs for this burgeoning rebellion so yeah yeah no that, that's a good point and, and I do like that they established that that Bix has been working with Luthen for who knows a while I mean, wow. I mean that, that's the whole reason we meet Bix is because Cassian needs her to contact him to make some quick cash. So, yeah, I just just through these two episodes, so much world building happened in really short amounts of time. And then I think that's another kind of pro to what Tony has done so far. I mean, they they accomplished a lot. And just in those two slow burns to set up the tension filled episode three and ultimately the rest of season one. 
Yeah. All definitely. right. Everyone take a breath. And now for episode three. All right. So starting off, we, we saw these in the trailer, but now we actually know who they belong to. But these uh, Morlana one or Corpo dropships share a, 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 an ass, at least the ass end to the Clone Wars era lats. Republic. Uh, yeah, transport. exactly. In particular, the the dropships. Uh, yep. the I'm sorry, the gunships. The dropships had like a, a hollowed out center so they could literally drop shit from a ship. Yeah, like their sides were open. Um, but outside of that, that's really the only similarity. So I, I, I kind of hedge on should I include this, but I did. So fuck it. There you go. Um, I, I, I do like that pyramid ship, though, and how it got there. And then all its little baby ships kind of shot yeah, out. Kind of, cool stuff. Uh, cool visuals of anything else. Yeah. All right, so again, we're we're almost to the Canary part, people. Don't worry, don't worry. <laughs> but early on, when we we started getting flashbacks that now featured Marva and Clem, who is going to be Cassian's adoptive father, they're they're dropping Republic references left and right. So clearly, that makes the this list eggs and references. Yeah. Also, now, did you notice that the masks that they use are the same ones that Han and Leia used when they get out inside of the uh the big sandworm or the big worm inside uh, you know of the what? asteroid. I, I glossed right the fuck over that Nick so I'm glad you you called me out and shamed me live on the show. I need that And type hey of look, stuff. but that's the thing is you got the right image too cuz that they're wearing them. <laughs> and <laughs> so. I still fucking missed it like a dope. I can get steel peckers, but I can't yeah. I can't get these uh, blatantly obvious masks. And yes, you are Free correct. They they even yeah. have the same tubes and everything. You're, same you you are correct. Yeah. So yeah, they're like, oh, the Republic this, Republic that. I'm going, what the fuck are you talking about? This doesn't even look like a Republic ship on the inside. I mean, it it, yeah. it, it, it looks like an Imperial ship, if anything. It looks like the, mm-hmm. the, the Star Destroyers, that, that old 70s kind of analog um, consoles and whatnot. But like, like vector lines yeah, on their ships. It, yeah, like that, it, was, that, it was very, very that, uh, that Imperial. It did not look sure. like Republic, but... Like I said, we got we we got a whole subject on that shit coming up. Okay, during the street fight, as Nick kind of uh, said earlier, shit goes bad for the corpos as expected when you got you know B- Bob the bozo as Sarge and his his plans all went to shit because he's telling people to wait and stop and I need to be there to get in on the action that ultimately leads to failure. But if you if you heard over the radio after some shit went down, they're like. We need some Bacta out here. Bacta. So there you go. You got your <laughs> yeah, Bacta, Bacta reference. Bacta is one thing. Even Tony is okay with putting into a Star Wars. It, it, it's a reference yeah. in all Disney Star Wars at this point in time. Yep. Yep. Um, what else we get? Oh, this this was a cool one. I don't know if I'm sure others noticed this, but uh, as the episode ends, we learn that the ship that we find Cassian sleeping in at the beginning of episode one is the same ship that Marva and Clem rescued him in. Uh, so it, it seems that that kind of became his little secret hideout on Ferrix after his adoptive um, parents took him back there. And I don't know, maybe they fucking hated the ship and just crash landed it or something, but yeah, I don't know. It, it's weird that like Star Wars ships seem to never really age. I mean, how the Falcon was still flying well 40 years down the road for TFA, but uh, the Andors, it's like once they picked up Casa, they were like, all right, let's just fucking crash land it on Ferrix. We'll leave it out in the dump and uh, go back to our hovel in town. So uh, but I, I did like the parallels. It, it, as we said early on, that really showed like th- these were two major moments in, in Casa's life. Uh, being 
let's be real, kidnapped from Canari and uh, essentially being rescued off of Ferrix. And, yeah. and they, they yeah. literally, that was some of the best cinematography of these three episodes was the constant back and forth to what was happening to him as a kid and how that paralleled the dire situation he was in now in the present. Uh, so yeah, there's the shot absolutely. from from the present, same ship. That's his sleeping bed. And you can even see the secret compartment where he was keeping the star path. Uh, Clem himself popped that open back in the flashback. Yep. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Clem, Clem, is, Clem is the dad that we have heard Luthen talking about being hanged in, in Rick's square. In, in the square, yeah. yeah. So that, that is, that's the guy. All right, so um, top moments. I said this during our review, but the, the tension literally was present from start to finish in episode three. Just fantastic from the cast, crew, and writing. Thank you, Lord Gilroy. Um, I, I, liked, I liked how they interwove, Nick. I, I felt this was key. I, I've said it a thousand times now, so we can leave it at this, but the interweaving of Marva and Cassa in the past and kind of with, with the, what was going on in the present, I, I, I enjoyed that of this episode. I, I, yeah. I like that I type of storytelling. One thing that I will say that like that, like that whole portion of these first three episodes was actually very reminiscent to Book of Boba Fett because the storytelling yeah. mechanisms mm-hmm. were very similar. And it was because of the same thing. Like you, you're using a character that was already established in both properties but there was such a large portion of their life that was unknown that you kind of had to like do like work in flashbacks and stuff. So um, that was that was very interesting for sure. So I, I did like kind of how how both of those shows use flashback to give context into stuff that we weren't aware of. I, I just I hope they don't go away. And like I said earlier, I, I don't think they can because we, we still have the MacGuffin, if you will, of why we got the flashbacks. There's something going on with his sister that is obviously going to be major to this series. So, yeah. uh, I, I don't, even though he's off planet, there are many opportunities to revisit times in the past. And I, I really do hope they touch on Canary again because, like I said, there's, there's too many mysteries for my liking. Uh, the Luthan and Andor meeting, I, I've said this a million times. It, it, I really think it is a brilliant Star Wars scene, period. It, it, it had high stakes, great dialogue, and you really kind of got a feel for both characters and, and what drives each of them. And you could see, even though that Cassian couldn't see it, you could see that they are on the same page. Cassian just needs to realize that for himself first. Yeah. Needs to needs to be pushed a little bit more to to see it. Yeah, this probably was my favorite part, and it, it it may be dumb, and I know it's been memed now, but the the organized resistance of the residents or of the citizens on Ferrix is, I think it was great. I loved the how they went analog with the banging. You know, you just start on yeah. one house and it spreads throughout, and they keep it going like it's a it's a methodical clank clank clank. Clank, 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 clank. And, and if you think about it, if you were a smaller force in that city, like the Corpos were, and that shit's fired up, hell yeah, you would be intimidated. Hell yeah, that no would... no idea what's going on. That would freak yeah, you yeah. out. I mean, I thought it was, a, it was a brilliant way for these people to rebel. 
And, you yeah. know, for, for all intents and purposes, Nick, this was a form of rebellion against the Empire vis-a-vis through the, its corpo spear. You know what I mean? Yeah. So absolutely. Uh, it, it, which, I mean, honestly, the fact that they have this system in place, Nick, uh, Nick it, it, it shows They've you used- that. Exactly. That that's where I'm trying yeah, to get like, used it before. Like and you have to assume other planets, other cities have probably done the same thing. So it, it was yeah. nice to see this grassroots rebellion without it specifically being a rebel cell. Does that make yeah. sense? And I mean like and it, it not only mobilized like the the small area within the town, it mobilized everybody. Like the people working in the shipyard. Yeah, everything shut people, down and they knew what to the, do. Yeah, people running the shops, shut their shit down. Everybody got in and it got, it, it was even to the point to where like the people in the shipyards could identify like, all right, that's the fucking Corpo ship. Yeah. Let's hook this thing up and in, in, to a chain and make sure that it explodes before it fucking leaves the, the planet. Like they had, like they have done this before. They, they've practiced this run and they're ready whenever those little bells start getting hit. They're like, all right, time to fuck shit up. And like, that's, you know, the whole town mobilized. It was great to see something. Yeah, like I, I, I loved it. I thought it was brilliant. It, it, was the, it was the perfect way to illustrate what normal citizens are probably doing around the galaxy at this point in time. You know, the, the Empire is in its ascendancy. Its thumb is probably being pressed harder on the galaxy uh, than it ever was before. Which has caused, in this case, the people of Ferrix to essentially develop some form of fire drill that they probably do drill. Like, Nick was right. Everyone knew what to do once they heard the clanging. Yep. I mean, Brasso knew. All right, something's bad's going on. These guys are here. Shit's ringing. I'm going to go tie a cable to their ship. (laughs) It's like... And then, you know, the other, like the, like the two guys that know Bix knows Luthen. I mean, they were doing, they were the ones to start it. So they're almost rebels themselves because they, they, they're the ones housing the secret radio in their shop. So clearly Ferrix is, I think we can at this point say an early rebel movement at this point in time. If not, I don't want to say the birthplace, but I mean, they, they very well could have a rebel cell on it right now. Yeah, I mean, and I mean, even even Marva knew because she was sitting in there when it they're hitting the bells, Bing, 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 Bing. She's like, "What you need to worry about is when it stops." Uh, that she was great. I mean, again, Fiona Shaw is fantastic. Hopefully, yeah, she, she sticks she around. Can. But yeah, Nick, like the whole time that you can tell that the two Scorpos are getting anxious, nervous, like, "What the fuck is that?" It's you know, it's, yeah. that would drive anyone nuts. And then she's yeah. like, "Oh, don't worry about it. You, you should only worry about it when it stops." And sure as shit, as soon as it stops, that's when. Everything goes to hell for the corpos, and you can kind of see, like, yeah, the, the, these, they just look like common people going about their business. They, they have a plan for when they feel like their freedoms are being trampled on, which is yeah. rebellion. So I, I thought it was fantastic. Uh, and my favorite moment of all three episodes, the timely death of Tim with two M's. <laughs> Oh no! Don't tell uh, Jason. Jason loves. Yes. <laughs> we're, sorry, we're sorry, sorry, Jason Young, but Tim R. needed R. to die. He deserved <laughs> that shot. I'm so glad he didn't stop and kept pressing forward to get blasted by that trigger happy corpo. A guy like Tim deserves to die on the dirty, slimy steps of Ferrix. 
in front of Bix. I feel bad Bix had to see that, but she knew what he did. And I think deep down, she's like, serves you right, you little bitch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, she was definitely sad, but like inside she knew that like, you fucking, you didn't just sell like Cassie and out, you sold all of us out. Like, they, like you thought that they were just going to come here and, and get Cassie and then, and then leave. Like, I don't think that, I think that everybody knew that like, this was the start. Like if, if it went how the corpos wanted, this was the start of the occupation of Ferrix in their Yeah. City. Cause I mean, like, Nick, I, I don't know if you heard just some other casual conversation, they're like, man, we haven't been out here for a while. We should, we, we should be here more kind of knocking heads. Exactly. It's like they, they, they were looking for a fight, the corpos. And yeah. they just, they didn't understand that Ferrix knows how to handle their kind. They have their own fight in them through their planning and coordination of the ringing of the metal. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Indeed. yeah, it was, it was, you know, fuck you, Tim. There is no rest in peace for you. Uh, like, <laughs> like Tones is saying no one's ever gone, but I can tell you right now, there's an exception in Star Wars lore for anyone named Tim with two M's. That's right. Th- that includes this guy. You know, he doesn't deserve Bix, right? <laughs> How did he even, he, he probably only got Bix because Cassian's such a fuck up and has screwed her over so many times because you, you heard her like Cassian obviously has cheated on her multiple times. He's an adulterer. He sleeps with married women left and right. So, I mean, Cassian is, he's, he's, a, he's a slime ball, but you can tell that he has a spell on Bix where she just can't say no. She can't yeah. do it. I mean, she... Like a Brasso, they've put themselves in serious jeopardy with the Empire now because of, of, of Cassian, who has left them all to kind of fuck off. Same with Marva. He's a good guy, that Cassian. <laughs> and then, um, for the last time, the, the end montage and in the, in the parallels there, those bright lights kind of signifying a drastic life moment for young Cassa and what we're calling young twenties Cassian uh, at the end of episode three. Indeed. So So, yeah, I mean, good, 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 good little opening there. I mean, nice. I think it gave us what we needed, but I'm definitely looking forward to episode four, Nick. So uh, let's start with you. Where where do you think we pick things up tomorrow? If you're on the live stream or today or yesterday or Wednesday, if you're listening to the podcast version, where where do you see things going or at least the main threads? Uh, so, I mean, I definitely think that there's, it's not going to be like a clean kind of getaway for, for Cassian and for Luthen. I think that there's going to be some sort of response from the Corpos to try to chase them down. Um, as, as of yet, the Corpos don't know about the Imperial, uh, piece that, that Cassian had stole and was trying to, to pawn off on Luthen yet so it might take them a little while to figure that out and it it they may actually not find it at all initially at least the corpos won't because of just the utter destruction of that building and and where it was left so you could argue that that piece may just be completely lost and and you know you may have a little bit of reprieve um for Cassian and Luthen, given that it's probably hard for them to find that piece and directly connect it to like uh, Cassian stealing it from the Empire and everything else, 
I don't think, I mean, given episode length so far, we've seen like roughly 40 minutes per episode. I think it was 42, 38, 42 or something like that. Um, and dude, the I credits, the credits on each one were over five like minutes, minutes over yeah, yeah, like so. six minutes plus. So yeah, <laughs> these so. were short. These were short episodes. Yeah. Um, so I think that I don't think that we'll get directly into the Imperial or not the Imperial stuff. I don't think that we'll get into the, the rebellion stuff just yet, unless we do kind of a hard cut away from Cassian as the main character to Mon Mothma and then see where she is at this point. Um, But I I don't think that Cassian gets into the actual meat of the rebellion in episode four yet. I think there's still going to be some like explanation of like what's going on because like Luthen didn't even mention the rebellion to to Cassian yet. He just said like, don't you want to fight these guys for real? And that was as close as he got to saying like, hey man, like, Right. There is a rebellion that is building and we could use somebody like you. So he still needs to like give him like the full fucking rundown of, of, of exactly what Luthen is trying to do and what Luthen is trying to rec- recruit him into. So I think that episode four may be a little exposition ha- like heavy and not so much action oriented yet. So for those of you who were thinking that episodes one through three are a little bit slow outside of three because that's where the action picked up four may come back down a little bit because it unless there is like a chase like an immediate chase that's going to happen of the corpos going after luthan and and, and cassian as they leave ferrix you're probably going to have a little bit of exposition that needs to happen just to like get cassian caught the fuck up on like what is going on and what he's gotten himself into so that that's that's kind of where I see episode four. All right, going. I'm I'm gonna take a slightly different path. I, I do. I feel like we're we're at least gonna get the imperial side of things introduced yeah. in episode four, specifically the ISB and probably that Deidre agent, the 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 blonde actress we've seen in the trailers. Um, I I do I know what you mean with the star path device. And, and the corpos, but I, I just feel like that's going to be kind of the beacon that, that brings the Empire to the planet, if not just hearing about a, a slight insurrection against the corpos would bring them anyways. Yeah. Uh, so I, I, I do feel in Episode 4, we are going to see an Imperial presence for the first time, and there's a good chance they make it to Ferrix to begin their investigation in quotes, which is, as we know, probably going to involve interrogating at least Brasso, Bix, uh, maybe the shop owner and his son. I doubt it since they weren't really given names outside of maybe in the, in the, in the captions. I don't know. Right. I, I, don't, I don't remember any. Um, and, and obviously Marva, I mean, Marva, she's got a fucking, you know, like a spotlight on her. Yeah. It, it, it's known that, that Cassian lived with her. So, uh, obviously they would, they would go there. So I, I do think we are going to get at least the ISB, investigating Ferrix by the end of episode four. And I, I, it's either going to be via the report of what happened with the Corpos or this device popped up on this planet. How the fuck did that happen? Like it just that, you know, Luthan was going to spend 40,000 credits on it. Like this isn't just some bullshit device. This is, yeah, as Luthan explained, nearly impossible to get. And the fact that Cassian did, that's why he knows he's special. So I do think that is going to result in some backlash for Cassian's friends on Ferrix. They are going to yeah. suffer for his 
his and I sins. think that that Tony or somebody within the production has come out and said, like, don't get yourself attached to any characters because everybody is open for a death scene in this show, essentially, other than, you know, Cassie and himself and then the, yeah, the characters yeah, I mean, that we know. Persist. It could be death or just moving on. Like, I mean, it, this is ultimately a story about Cassie and how he gets to helping to blow up the Death Star. It's I mean, it would be nice. I remember you and I, we had that bit where, you know. Uh, we're going to say Cassian's motivation was like, first you killed my real mother. (laughs) Then you killed my real father. Then my adopted mother and my girlfriend, then my droid. God damn it. I'm coming. You know, it is like, (laughs) he was going to be a Montoya. Montoya Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) And I do hope that it doesn't come to that, but yeah, it is looking like to, to possibly get him to come out of hiding. They could, you know, put the screws on Marva or Bix or or somebody and, and send out a hollow like, hey, asshole, we know what's going on and this is who we got. Uh, the other thing, I I'm, I agree with you. I don't think we make it to the Rebel Alliance proper. I think Tones is on to something where we possibly get that dogfight uh, spaceship shooting shit we saw in the trailers where Luthen's uh, ship is it's evading what, what, what looks like an imperial ship which would be odd because unless the imperials were just in the system uh or maybe they they the corpos sent uh, they heard the distress signal and in, in quick hyperspace over there and that's how they're going to catch uh cassie and luthan leaving the airspace of ferrix but I, I do think we see that and they and ultimately they they end up somewhere safe but like nick said not Probably not with Saul Guerrero getting into the, yeah. the deep stuff of the Rebel Alliance. And uh, what other? And flashback wise, I think we will see a. I'm not sure why they would do this, but if it's from Cassian's perspective, possibly some stuff of him as a kid on Ferrix asking about a sister. I don't know, maybe learning the language, learning about whatever. Probably yeah, not. Doesn't if- go ahead. If we if we go back to if we go like flashback again, I wonder if they're going to keep doing that. But um, you could like at this point, there's there's no way you flash back to Canary again. We're already off of it, so you would have to see like the him growing up on Ferrix and like learning. English yeah, so like so this. I would like if if we don't go back to Canary, I think there's an avenue through his sister. Maybe maybe we get flashbacks through a character that's his sister, and she's thinking about. You know, we'll get to see what happened to her when she realizes that her brother ne- never came back from that mission. Yeah, uh, yeah. I just I feel like there's so many loose ends on Canary, and I don't want them to just say, "Oh, you." We'll let the f- we'll let the fan the fans can make up their own. There, I hate that shit. Fuck you. If you're gonna go to the <laughs> lengths to set all this up and have say the Republic, but they're wearing CIS, unless you just completely fucked the canon and 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 made the wrong patch, which I highly doubt happened. You, you kind of have to explain why. So I hope they do either through conversations uh, of little kid Cassian to adoptive Marva, but we got to know why they were calling them Republic when they clearly weren't and what the fuck yeah. happened there in, in some capacity. Uh, so I, I think we do still keep flashbacks and it's either going to be Cassian kid learning about the galaxy as a whole or possibly through his sister back on Canari. Uh, yeah, I, I agree. Kingdom of Weird. We are. I think we do see at least a moment of Clem getting hung. That that's probably going to be the trailer scene where you see the clones still, because that's 
Clone Wars era. He was rescued Clone Wars era, clearly. He had yeah. to have been. If not, I mean, we're, we're talking this guy uh, has some of the worst aging genetics in all of Star Wars. Because, <laughs> uh, I mean, if, if, if that flashback's not taking place during the early part of the Clone Wars, then... Cassian ages horrifically as if he drinks and smokes all day long. You know yeah, what I mean? just, just constantly. <laughs> yeah, he's like nonstop. Uh, so, yeah, I, I could see the clones being involved in the hanging. And, and that very well could be, by the time Clen gets hung, that could be the start of the Empire, for sure. Yeah. Uh, with, with the clones still being around, I think that would be fantastic. Uh, it's just odd to think that, you know, we're, we're going to go from... 10-year-old uh, Lord of the Flies Casa to a, a few years later, you know, he's this... Like battle-hardened... Yeah, fully functioning, can speak basic now, and, you know, knows yeah. the ins and out, can break into the Empire's houses and whatnot. So, I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I don't... I'm with you. I don't think we get to the Rebel Alliance at large. Mom Mothma's a, a tricky one. I I don't know. Maybe they save her for five. I unless like you said, they're just they they introduce new threads, which very well could happen. Because we did, you know what? I think you're right. I, I think you're right. Because the, if you think about what he said about season two, he's like, you know what? What we did in season one, where one director would direct three episodes and would kind of tell its own contained story. I think yeah. you're right. Yeah, uh, we very well. Now there's not going to be a time jump like they're doing in season two. We know that for sure. In season one, it's just one year. But I do think you, we may, we could start season four with a whole new thread being introduced. I think you, I'm going to go ahead and and uh, acquiesce to your speculation. I think you're right. <laughs> just just based on what Tony has said and how they how they decided to direct the the seasons, it was is like you get a three shot story, you get a three shot story, you get a three shot story, you get a three shot story. So yeah, all right. Well, there you go. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Yeah, I mean, I think that there's there's gonna. I don't, do we know who the the next director is? Like, who's the four, five, and six? I do not. Uh, so four through six. If we can, who directed Andor? Uh, I don't know if they have them all listed out here, but it's yeah. not going to be Toby. I'm I'm pretty sure he did. Each director got three episodes because I, I mean Tony's like, yeah, hey, we'll just do what we did for season Susanna, one. Susanna Susanna White is the director for four, five, and six, and Dan Gilroy is the writer for four, five, and six. Oh, geez. which is ne Tony's nepotism. brother. <laughs> nepotism Gilroy, so. you gotta love it. Oh uh, yeah. All right. Well, I've been teasing it all along. It, this is going to be a longer show. We we expect it with three episodes. So. Um, but I do, I do, let's go ahead and zero in on Canary at this point in time. Let me bring up my notes to make sure I don't miss anything. Cause tones is bringing stuff up. Uh, it, it does. There's, there's a lot of weird things to think about with Canary, at least with what we are presented in episodes one through three. So timeline wise, let, let, let's kind of get there. Nick, are you thinking those Canary moments are beginning like year one clone wars or year three clone wars? So, okay, given the fact that the mining facility is abandoned already... Yeah, it, means that's a good point, because if anyone looked, that mining facility already had some sort of accident. I mean, there were, there were yes. like buildings built into the side that were all crumbled and tore apart, so yes. Yeah, so 
we're not talking about an active mining facility. And then like Matt said, there's no adults. So I'm thinking that this is probably towards the latter half of the Clone Wars um, because this facility has been used and had a disaster and abandoned. Um, there's so I'm, I'm thinking latter half. And because of that, it leads me to believe that like, I mean, maybe Cassian's not even from Canary. Yes. Like, thank you. Yeah. Like, so like, it almost leads me to believe that like the people who were working on this, this, you know, mining facility on Canary were probably like captured slaves from a different outer rim country or not country, but planet brought to Canary specifically for the mining operation. And then more than likely what happened was like all of the adults were probably killed in this, in this accident, this explosion, what that, whatever the fuck happened, every adult parent of these children that are now left on this planet were probably killed. And that may either may be because there was an insurrection by the adults which caused the sabotage of the facility. And then some of them died and because of that. And then the rest of them were just killed um, by the CIS is, is probably what happened. Um, so yeah. So that's kind of my thoughts on like just the holistic situation that we're in on Canary. Okay. So yeah, timeline wise, it, it's hard to pin down which year the clone wars. Cause we, we know clone wars for yeah. three years. That That's defined. Uh, but I, I'm with you. I do think it is closer to the tail end. Uh, the other, the other big question is that you kind of touched on: Why are there just kids, and why yeah. are they living in scavenged huts? And by scavenged huts, I mean, you, you know, if you think about Native Americans, they made their their teepees and all that stuff from what the earth gave them. Use buffalo hides, trees, you name it to make their dwellings. So that's why I'm with Nick. Like, I don't think these people were from Canary. They were either brought there against their will, or maybe they were promised like, Hey, if you move your family here, you're going to have riches and jobs working in these mines. Exactly. Um, But even then they're not living in what looks like civilized structures. It, It truly looks like whatever happened in route to getting there, if they did travel there or if they already lived there, their shit got blowed the fuck up by something. So yeah. they, they were like crash landed and had to kind of build their society there being marooned. Or like I said, it, it was like, hey, move your family here. And all the adults, they'll work in the mines. The kids, you know, they'll be taken care of. And, you know, something nefarious happens at the mines. All the adults are gone and the kids have to lure the flies themselves for the rest of their existence. They have to scavenge from what they brought from before to kind of keep themselves going because you, you don't, you don't have a civilization with just children. So yeah, I, I am with you. I, I do think the adults were either conscripted or willingly joined some mining expedition on Canary. And that's yeah. why these people are here. I don't think they are from or natives of Canary. Yeah. And I also think that like we, we have a very like we've only gotten a slice of Canary. Like, I mean, basically, you only see like the immediate vicinity of where these kids are and, you know, the the strip mining operation that was happening there. Like, we don't even know if there's like other civilized areas on this planet. And that's why I brought it up 
when we were talking about the episodes is it's weird to have a mid rim planet. Mid rim is, you know, heavily trafficked, especially within the time of the, of the, uh, not the rebellion, but the, uh, you know, the grand Republic and, and the time of the clone wars, because you, you're so close to all of these other like super populated, very, you know, I don't, I don't want to call them affl- like affluent, but like they're relatively like, yeah, you, you wouldn't ex- you and, wouldn't expect to find a completely uninhabited planet in the mid rim. Exactly, like that's like far outer rim, like maybe even like bordering unknown, unknown on region the unknown shit. regions, especially yeah. at this so, point in the timeline. Yeah, so yeah, I I agree. Yeah. It is odd, and, and and you know the planet has been modernized in in some capacity because of the mine. I mean, the mine. Yeah. That wasn't dug out with fucking shovels and pickaxes. Yeah. I mean, that, that yeah. you could even see the structures in there were very Star Warsy type of, I don't know, offices or whatnot that were all caved in and, and blown up. So, yeah, I, I think we can safely speculate that Casa and, and these people were either brought to Canari against their will or were kind of lured there under yeah, some dude. false pretense. And, and the adults were either willingly working in the mine and something happened or they were forced to work in the mine and the kids were left to to fend themselves. I still don't see though if you're a if you're the bad guy and you're like, "Hey, we want all your adults. Why don't you just fucking kill the kids?" Like, what's the point of letting the kids form their own little lore of the fly society? You know what I mean? So yeah. it does yeah, almost feel like scripting yeah, it feels like they were there on purpose, and some f- major fuck up happened. And, and instead of like pulling the kids out, the, the Republic or whoever was just like, you know what, fuck this. Let's just not even talk about it. We we essentially killed thousands of of people, and their kids are still alive, and we're just gonna leave them all there and pretend it never happened. Leave. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because it's like they they probably weren't there long enough to like establish familial like bonds have these kids on canari i wouldn't okay, hold on. Imagine. Let, let me let me let me correct some of these guys in the chat this isn't the empire's time my friends yeah no no not canari okay so so get off this imperial. whole thing with empires not using slaves this isn't the empire unless yeah. truly this is right at the end of the clone wars then yes it technically is the empire under the guise of the republic but even then, this shit has obviously happened decades before we are meeting Casa, right? Th- this mine didn't just pop up at the end of the Clone Wars. It was way too lived in. Their hovels were way too lived in for it to be fresh, for the Empire to be conscripting yeah. people. And then also, like, the way that the kids have built a society is 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 not done, like immediately yeah like they they, they had they order have, there was a clear leader they yeah. they knew what to do they had rituals with the face paint like these these kids have been lord of the fliesing it to me for a long long time like this this is yeah. what they knew they weren't sad sacks like oh someone's here to re-. Oh, i guess the one girl was like "Ooh, rescue us so that that could be a sign like you know maybe then i do think they're marooned at this point they're clearly marooned but why did yeah. they get marooned and yeah how was did it, they get there but it's it's also definitely not imperial timeline. Let's just no, put that no, out yeah, there. Yeah, like yeah. It's, it's not Im- imperial timeline. Like the like, only way we, we we the only way we could say the empire was involved was with quotes like yeah the republic well is the empire right but you get what we're and saying. And it's not even the republic that we saw that landed on this planet exactly. though. It was so, the so CIS. That's the, next, that's the <laughs> next tricky. That that's the the trickiest of all I think. But I do think it's safe to say 
Timeline-wise, it's within the three years of Clone Wars, more than likely towards the tail end. Situation-wise, we're saying that these these humanoids that kind of speak their own language at this point in time, like who knows, did the kids just develop this language for themselves? Because that was another thing that they, I was going to. They bring lost up. the adults, so they would have lost their education system and their connections to their past and and their their civil societies that the adults probably came from. Uh, so the, the question is then, were these people forced to go here to do this or was it a, an opportunity that they took and disaster struck and the governing body chose to hide it versus do right by it? Meaning that they're like, all right, the fucking adults blew up. They might've had some kids. We'll just all fucking let them waste out. Yeah. We'll just leave the, the, the trickier part here. And, and I have some theories is. Why was Marva and Clem calling these soldiers and officers Republic? And why were they so afraid of the Republic? And, and here's, here's some things I want everyone to think about before we, we get into this. You got to remember, whenever there is conflict, whatever side you're on, you're going to think that side is right. And they're the ones doing the right thing. And yeah. ultimately, with hindsight, the CIS were right to be fighting against the Republic because it was Sidious's plan to take them all over using the yeah. republic army so the republic really was the bad they were the bad guys tactically during the clone well, also Mar- marva and clem were saying that like the republic is about to land and so kill like, it they like they're gonna kill you all yeah, like they're gonna they, kill they were every, fearful gonna kill of the all republic of these kids yeah so, so like they're and then also you have to remember too that like there yes there was the cis yes there was the republic there was that big thing happening but like there were also people in the middle who were like, I don't give a fuck about know. either yeah, of these motherfuckers. They probably like, didn't know who was who. I mean, you could yeah. argue, Nick, through propaganda, they might have thought that the CIS logo was Republic. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's or so that that to me is the most curious. Like, are Marva and Clem Andor were they living in a a separatist planet at this time, and is that why? They thought everything bad was the Republic, which someone in a CIS system would have thought at this time. The Republic, yeah. they're the bad guys. They're the ones that will kill everyone. They're the ones that will kill kids if they saw that, you know, this down ship was here. Yeah. So it's also very curious that they got to that wreck so quickly. Like, yeah, they, they, it's Clint, almost like they, they, they're Mark. tracking stuff like they, they're, they're, they're yeah. tracking, you know, ship traffic around the mid rim or around that planet in particular. It's not like yeah. they were there to look for kids. They were there to solely scavenge power cells. Yeah. And, and if they are scavenging power cells, it does sound like they could have been in a CIS type of guerrilla faction. Like, hey, we, you know we, we got to get what we got to get because we're not the Republic, right? The Republic yeah. had the massive arms of the galaxy behind them. They had the Senate. They had the, the, the monies, all that stuff. The CIS, if you think about it, outside of Grievous's forces, they were mostly like Vietnam-style guerrillas. Yeah. Independent planets that didn't have like formal right. armies Right, they didn't want to join like the Republic, so they're like, fuck you. I mean, if you think about yeah. it, the CIS... They really ultimately were the last freedom fighters of the galaxy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, at least, you know, at least the planets that joined up for the cause and not were like, you know, clearly working with exactly, you know, Dooku and City right. stuff like that. And what's also interesting is that, like, okay, so this ship comes in. It, it, this ship didn't have like engine problems. This thing got shot down. Like, that's coming okay, good. In, 
to the planet. There's a clear shot that it fire is burning on its side. You, you, this isn't just like some like engine trouble. We have to land on this planet because this is where we got to land. They got fucking shot down. So like almost in my head, tones. This just is what I see happening. Right, right to where I think you're going. Go ahead. So like th- there is them. a battle that's like happening between the Republic and the CIS over you know, somewhere in the vicinity of this planet. And I almost see like, like if you think about, if you're a scavenger within this galaxy, if you're, you know, a smuggler, a scavenger, somebody like Ray, like you're probably like, okay, there's a fucking battle breaking out. Like if we just sit on the outskirts and don't like let anybody know we're here, just stay silent. We can, we can scavenge the pieces of these downed vessels Mm -hmm. and sell them off for us to make money all we have to do is just be able to track where these ships land. So like, that's almost what I think is happening with like Clem and Marva is like, they, they're just like on the outskirts of this battle. That's why they get there so fast. They're like, look, okay, we got a CIS ship going down, landed on Canary. But they think it's Republic. That that's the thing that still fucks my head. Like those, they're the ones that told us you, you, you guys killed Republic officers and I'm going, no, they're not Republic officers. And this doesn't look like a Republic ship. I mean, yeah, there, there was and no that's Republic what almost makes me like think that. that they're like completely that they're like completely removed from both factions. Right. And, and who knows like, who knows what propaganda they've gotten in their part of exactly. the galaxy, too. I mean, everyone yeah. could be bad to them. As I said, the Republic could be showing the CIS symbol. Be like, hey, this is us. Or, you yeah. know, the CIS could be like, hey, if you see this symbol, these are bad. You just don't know. But it is. I do think you're right. I think it was it was shot down. Otherwise, the gas they were transporting combusted and really fucked that ship up. I mean, to have a a gas fuck up a ship of that size, it would have to be a a severe, severe explosion. So I I, then to have like not only to have like Clem and Marva get there so soon, but to have the Republic like if it really is the Republic that's coming right behind them and is getting ready to land. And that's what's like hurrying them along like if that was just like a solo ship accident where like one of these fuel cells exploded there would be no reason that a republic vessel is that close behind it like the republic vessel shot this motherfucker down and was like all right it's going down we're going right after it like we're we're like we see where it's landing and we're coming right behind it but clem and marva was just like right in front of them and, and so more than likely, kind of another point to bring up, the reason they're probably after it is because of that yellow gas. I mean, was... Yeah, whatever killed w- those was, people. That's more than likely, Nick. I, I'm thinking that yellow gas is more than likely the refined product of what they were mining on Canary. Maybe that's why that ship was up there. Maybe it's, it, it's processing this stuff to make this yellow death gas, which clearly works. It turns people yellow and you die. And you die. <laughs> it's just that the thing that I can't get my head around is why Marvin and Clem were so adamant that all this was Republic doing. Like that, the down ship was Republic. The dead soldiers were Republic. The inside of the ship was Republic. It, it, that that's the only weird thing. I think everything else we speculated on that that makes sense, but that I just can't. What? Why would they think that? Or, or who? Yeah. What sort of propaganda were they told that when you see the CIS logo, that equals Republic? It's just yeah. I I don't know. I just don't know. Um, I guess. One thing that could describe it or or sort of make sense is if this truly is 
days or a week after the end of the Clone Wars, where, you know, mid-rim, outer-rim, kind of like in World War II, you still had Japanese guys in the force waiting for is the war over. Yeah. They, they just, like, no one really knows what's going on. There, there still could be fighting going on out here. Uh, it, I don't know. It's, it's... It, the whole the whole Star Wars speculation internet all has the same question after last week. Like, how in the fuck did CIS get equated to Republic, and and why uh, was the Republic? You know, did they? Is this a ruse? And those were Republic soldiers wearing CIS uniforms to make the CIS look bad. You know, to try mm-hmm. to to try to pin the Canary disaster on CIS. Let's say. Canari was a Republic mission from day one. They, they're the ones that convinced the people to go there and mine for them. The Republic needs you, that type of shit. And, and shit goes to hell. They lose all the adults. They're like, oh, fuck, we're the Republic. We can't let this, this news get out. We need to start building up our cover-up. And the cover-up is the CIS. They came here, and they, they fucked up the mine, and they were making this gas. And luckily, we showed up and, and shot them down and— and save the fate of Canari, something like that. I mean, yeah, I mean, it, it could be because that's kind of the whole story of Andor, like of Cassian is like, we've always had this picture painted of the Republic that they're like, you know, they're the good guys. They don't do anything wrong. They're the ones who are fighting for peace and justice in the galaxy. Same thing for the rebellion. And then like, then you find out in, in rogue, like, the rebellion did some equally shady shit and they yeah. had equally shady characters on their side. And like, you know, when it comes to wartime, you're not really thinking about like, is this the morally right thing to do? You're thinking about like, what is going to give my side the best chance to win? What is going to in the eyes of the general public and the populace, like what is going to make us seem like the the right faction to back? Yeah. So, you and, know, and, and in the end, could be, who who is running the Republic right now? Yeah, I mean it's fucking Palpatine. Chief Palpatine. <laughs> so as I said, you know, all of us we're all you know doe-eyed in love with our named clones. The Republic Army was the first arm of the Empire, technically. Yeah. Like that, I mean, he used that to yeah fucking waste the Jedi mostly. He's like, yeah, I'll just you know commission a few million clones that should be able to take out a couple hundred Jedi, but it was to start this war and have a standing army at his disposal that would do anything unquestioned clones chips order 66 i mean if you think about the the republic at the time they were the bad guys we love our jedi we love our clones but they were created for nefarious purposes and there's a good chance throughout the galaxy to keep sowing Sidious's long game and his plan, he was probably using the Republic to do shady shit. And and Canari, yeah. I think, could be one of those examples where they were doing some fucked up shit on Canari for the resources, and are they're now going to use the CIS as cover? Like we didn't do this. We actually came here to to liberate. And somehow Marva and Clem, they're in the know. They're like, now, nah. and it, it plays into what Nick is saying. Like if they've been monitoring this system, they probably see what's going on. They, they, maybe they even heard some, some chatter on the channels. Like, all right, you ready for operation, pull the wool over their eyes. Yeah, let's do it. Let's shoot down that ship. And you know, uh, we'll, we'll sacrifice the crew who gives a shit. They're all dressed up in CIS stuff anyways, and let's plant the seeds. And so, you know, 15 years down the road, 
when Cassian learns about Canari, the, the only story is, oh yeah, there was a mining disaster and the Empire has essentially quarantined the planet. And, and we yep. all know, we all know there's no fucking disaster. The, the quarantine is because some really horrible shit went down there and they don't want anyone to know exactly yeah, to what happened. Yeah. So Woo! lots of interesting stuff yeah, to man. come from, from Canari and that honestly, dude, continue that. And I've talked about this before. It's, it's this type of shit that gets me up in the morning for Star Wars. It's, it's this lore and kind of peeling layers back from the past that should kind of expose why things are the way they are in the present time. So I just, I really hope we do get some more answers on this whole Canari conundrum, as we'll call it here on SWTS. Good. Uh, All right. Yeah. Okay. So um, that's few other yeah, little I mean, quickie things we got here, but that, that's, that's our... That's the heavy our, lifting, yeah. <laughs> there you go. So oh, those of you, hopefully it was worth the wait. It was like two plus hours of, of Andor deep dives. We do have a few more things to go through before the fan segment, but we'll try to make them quick. There's really nothing to really speculate on. Uh, there you go. Yeah. I'm going to get one out for my man, James Earl Jones, who, as Nick posted for us, has officially retired, and um, he, like... Luke, Vader's voice will now be replaced with that uh, machine learning AI stuff. Yeah, I, I'm I'm kind of of two minds on this. Well, didn't um, we didn't we get sort of this? In, wasn't Kenobi the trial run for this then? Yes. So okay. they they did use um, Respeecher, which is the the AI program, the Ukrainian mm-hmm. AI program that they are going to use for Vader moving forward in Kenobi. They also used Respeecher to make Luke Skywalker's like younger voice in Book of Boba Fett. Yep. Um, and like I said, I'm I'm of two minds. I mean, it's incredible that the software is to the point to where like you can literally just like feed in data, feed in, you know, like just essentially like let this AI watch the original Star Wars movies and then like it can fucking remake James Earl Jones's voice and do the whole thing by itself. That, that is incredible. I will say that like there are real people out there who could do this job and who could who could do Vader's voice Agreed. as well as this respeecher program could. And I think it's kind of sad that they didn't even attempt to cast somebody to do it. Like there like there's there's videos out there like after this was announced that like the official word from Lucasfilm was that like respeecher is going to take over. Like there, there are people who had already done Vader's voice and like, you know, and then put these videos yeah, up on YouTube. And it, is that is, it is odd. Spot the fuck on. I mean, I, I wonder if it's just a, a cost saving thing at this Could point, be. right? It's like, Hey, w- w- the technology does good enough. So why, why get an actor on the payroll and have to give them royalties? But yeah, I'm with you. Yeah. I, I don't, especially for a character like Darth Vader, where you can definitely get away with using someone else. Cause the voice is going to be modulated anyways. Like, yeah. Um, cause I, 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 I guess I understand the Luke stuff a little bit. Cause Mark's voice has significantly changed as, as a lot of us do when we yeah. age, you lose some timber. Um, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you, dude. I, I don't like this. I don't like this idea. And I, I hate to say this. I mean, I, I think rogue one, Darth Vader, does not sound right at all and i know that was james uh it, it the, go go everyone go back do some homework go back and listen to the uh vader and rogue one 
He does not. His voice was getting a little shaky. Yeah, exactly. He does not sound right. He does not sound like Vader of of the original trilogy, which is, you know, to be expected considering how old James has gotten. But Nick's right. I mean, what what are we doing here? Like we, we literally are falling into the trap that science fiction writers and movie makers have been exposing us to trying to warn us about uh, since the dawn of storytelling. Uh, everything it's all AI I mean it's 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 here machine learning and AI I mean if they're gonna now voice Vader what's next are they gonna be writing the scripts now I mean fucking Skynet it's a slippery slope you know because I mean look obviously the 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 AI does an incredible job like you know like it did it in in Obi-Wan Kenobi the voice was very good is do we need to replace voice actors already like can we still leave that as as a meat bag role I mean look look, I'm a technical guy I get it I I understand especially a lot of old manufacturing processes and and manual anything in business probably should be replaced by technology As, as sad as some of you people you know, your, your, your skilled laborers or whatnot, that it's just, it is what it is. But do we, do we really need to start replacing people's voices with robots now? Yeah. Like, come on. I think the, the main thing for me is that like, you can't tell a robot like, Hey, do it more like this. Or like, this is an yeah. emotional scene. Or well, this, right. like, you should feel angry here. Yeah, because all they can like, do now is toggle a slider. Like, oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna up the anger meter a bit so it knows to do yeah. this inflection. It's like, ugh, I just, you're right. And hey, listen, for Darth Vader, I think it will be fine because he is, he's very monotone. I mean, sometimes he yells a little bit, but you, you definitely could pass off a machine doing Vader's voice because he's a fucking machine. It's yeah. it. I'm worried about, you know, moving forward, them digging their heels in like we, we and Jason makes a good point in the live stream. It seems because of the fans tox, toxicness over the Han Solo casting and what Kathy Kennedy has said as recent as this summer, they're they're all in with never trying to use anyone else to do any. Uh, performance for any legacy characters again so yeah. i guess nick this is why the machines are taking over i just i don't know if that's better though i i really think yeah. humans the point you brought up the ability to add emotions organically you're gonna lose on you're gonna lose out yeah so i mean it, it's sad in a couple ways obviously you have a true icon of not only star wars but just cinema in general and, and james earl jones hanging up one of his most iconic characters of all time and in darth vader but then also you don't even have a person picking up the mantle it's just this soulless ai <laughs> it's a fucking program and it's like you know the crazy thing sad. is they probably they probably have like at least four or five people to curate the program instead of hiring one human to do the voice you know yeah, what I, mean? I mean, dude, I heard, I heard this, this, this guy, like I, I'd have to try to find the video again, but this dude like did a Vader voice and it was like, I listened to it and I was like, is he like fucking James Earl Jones's son? Like what, ha- like how did this guy essentially just perfectly recreate Darth Vader's voice? And there are people out there who can do this, like, and they just chose to go this direction. And it could, like you said, it could be cost related it could be down to like they just don't want to have to deal with fan backlash anymore and 
you know, they just said like, fuck it. Like if we, we know if we put somebody else in this position that people won't even give them a chance. Cause like if, if the article came out and said, you know, James Earl Jones is retiring as Darth Vader. And from here on out, the voice is going to be done by Joe Blow. The Before even hearing Joe Blow's voice, the internet would be like, this is going to fucking suck. It's Sell ruining outs. the character. This you, is, you this killed is my just childhood. Some... Exactly. Yeah, so, I got like, you. I know, I know. It's just, uh, it's it is, sad. It it's is sad odd, but hey, I like guess this. for a robot character. It, I have a robot voice. It makes sense at this point. Yeah. All right, so sticking with uh, the the technical wing of Star Wars, a report came out this week on the the future of Star Wars game releases now that EA is no longer the exclusive publisher. And uh, this comes from Insider Gaming, that Tom Henderson guy who who's had a few other leads on uh, you know Star Wars game leaks, the future of Star Wars gaming. And really what the report is, according to his sources, Disney is really trying to shoot for a bi-yearly release cadence for Star Wars video games moving forward, which would mean, uh, it was explained to Insider Gaming that this would typically mean a AAA and some form of, you know, mobile, janky little title a year. So, So two games a year. From the Star Wars license moving forward now that EA no longer has exclusive access. But, Nick, if you think about it, you're like, all right, cool. That sounds great. As a Star Wars fan, it would be like, you know, living at the turn of the century where it did feel like you were getting at least two Star Wars games a year, AAA. Obviously, there was no mobile back then. But, you know, from yeah. from uh, the Phantom Menace all the way through uh, Revenge of the Sith and I think even Clone Wars got some video games. You had Star Wars games coming out. You had the Jedi Knight Academies. You had the the KOTORs, the SWTORs at some point. That was, honestly, my friends, uh, mid-90s to say what, Nick, 2008? That was probably the heyday yeah, like, of, of Star Wars video games. Yeah, I think 2008 was when the second Force, Force Unleashed, Unleashed came yep, out. That's what and I was then after for. that is kind of when it like nothing fell off a cliff. Nothing, like nothing yeah. until the Battlefront reboot and then Battlefront 2 and yeah. then ultimately Jedi Fallen Order. So, yeah. All right, whatever. I, I think I don't think any any gamer or any Star Wars fan that games would be upset with this announcement. The 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 question is, Nick, is this really even feasible with what has been announced for the future of Star Wars games? So, I think there's been only eight titles announced so far, and some of these yeah. have already had the Switch publisher and, and are probably looking at. <laughs> two to three years from now before they release. Yeah. So again, how are we going to pull this bi-yearly stuff off? So here, here <laughs> I guess are, it comes. right. I mean, <laughs> wishful thinking. I don't fucking know. Yeah. So we have the, the Amy Hennig's game, the one that we think mm-hmm. is going to be what she was actually working on um, back at Naughty Dog. At Visceral. You know, where yeah. you, you kind of have that Han Solo character, the roguish type. Yep. Uh, there's an untitled FPS from Respawn. Okay, these are the same people that do Jedi Survivor, which which we know that's happening. There's the Ubisoft open world Star Wars. There's Star Wars Eclipse, which was at Quantic, which has now been sold to another parent company. So who the fuck knows what's going on there? The KOTOR remake, which we just told you had to shift developers. So that that's probably delayed. Uh, Survivor Fallen Order sequel. We know that's at least coming out next year. So I guess there's there's one, but that's from EA yeah. still. So what the fuck? 
Star Wars Hunters was delayed to next year. So I guess boom, two next there it year. Is. They they, they paid <laughs> off on it paid off on the rumor. So we are going to get Hunters and Survive and Fall in Order. So it starts in 2023. Two Star Wars yeah. games a year. But really, after that, it's like, how are you going to keep that schedule up? Unless there are just mm-hmm. a bunch of pre-dev games out there. So yeah. That's what I was going to say is like what it really comes down to is like, okay, I'll buy this cadence, but when does it start? Exactly. Like, are you saying that like like two games a year starting in 2024 or when I'm dead? Yeah. Like, does this start in 2030? Like when, when is this supposed to happen? Here, here's the thing that I'll say, and this has always been the case for video games since as far back as, um, you know, as I can write, like even fucking PS one days, like, you always, there's always like a release dream date for a game. It almost never happens. Like the the first announced release date for a game almost never happens because as has always been in gaming, especially when gaming became super mainstream starting in like two, like early 2000s, like 01, you get like, you start your dev, everything's going along, but then inevitably you have a crunch time where you have your entire dev team working fucking 20 hours a day for four months because shit's not going right or your your release date's coming up and you're not even close. Like, it's hard to say that if you don't have at least four titles planned to release in a year. Because if you only have two titles that are planned to release in a year, it's almost guaranteed that one of them's going to get pushed out of yeah. that year. So... It's a hard promise to keep unless you have a lot of irons in the fire at one time. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the article went on to mention that, it, and we've we've talked about it. We sh- we showed what we thought was a leak, but there there's apparently a Mando game that's been kind of kicking around yeah, the, the the rumor mill. And you would think that would make sense. I mean, the, I, I don't, I know the games weren't great. But I felt like they always had a built-in audience when you would release a game that would tie into a a movie. You know what I mean? I mean the the Obi Wan Kenobi game for the Phantom Menace. I believe Revenge of the Sith had kind of a movie companion, and and while they weren't excellent games for people like us, it still you know allowed us to to interact and kind of live out the movie in a more interactive style than just watching it. And Mando seems like the perfect universe to do something like that. Not necessarily retell the adventure, the adventure, but just use the damn universe. You have a built-in yeah. audience of casual Star Wars fans and hardcore Star Wars fans. There's going to be a cross-section of gamers in there. So why the hell hasn't that come to fruition? It, it, it has, is it all just because of the EA license and Lucasfilm has just been holding shit back and back and back and back and now they're going to unleash the floodgates, fire up LucasArts and kind of, you know, get that pumping and cranking on some stuff again? Uh, yeah. I, I don't know. It's, I mean, hey, we're here for the games. I just, I just don't believe that. I don't believe this is going to yeah. be a reality unless they've been holding on for cards uh, for so tightly that no leaks have made it out and they're just going to wow our faces off over the next couple years. Yeah. I mean, it's, <laughs> I wouldn't hold my breath like, though. <laughs> I would, I would love to believe that the problems with star Wars releases all hinged on EA because we know that EA is a fucking disaster of a publisher. They can't even, they can't even make their own games at this point anymore. Like they've completely destroyed the battlefield franchise um, they, they've essentially nuked their own studios, like 
so so EA itself is just a shit show of a of a game publisher and it owns too many studios to properly manage but I I also don't believe that they were the sole reason that the games like the Star Wars game cadence was the way it was like I do feel like to some degree Lucasfilm and Disney were shooting down a lot of ideas yeah, I, like I maybe see that you know like so I I just don't know like it it's it is unquestionably better to have the entire game development ecosystem at your at your behest now instead of just one publisher. But you need to have a lot of deals going to be able to do what they want to do. And I look, I hope that they can do it because we've essentially had a decade of time where we we've, we've had fucking nothing in in terms of yeah, the Star they, Wars they video got game the license landscape. it was like 2014 or 15, it was like right when the main sale happened i mean ea has yeah, been in bed with close. with disney star wars pretty much since they uh, Iger cut that check yeah i mean it's like almost 8 years at this point because we had I, it might be 9 because we had the release of of tfa in 2015 which means that they signed the deal to sell to Disney. So yeah, it, it would have been 2014. It, it, it's yeah, 2014. 2014. Yep. So eight, we've had eight years. And in that time period of, of Star Wars video game releases, you've had Jedi Fallen Order, Battlefield or Battlefronts 1 and 2. And then what? Squadrons. So, and, squadrons, like a half my a game, favorite and, then, and probably the best that they've done, and I've still played to this day religiously. We'll Star Wars Galaxy of Fucking Heroes, <laughs> yeah, pal. I mean, like <laughs> you had some some like some mobile titles, like that is they had that wild. one other game. What was that other game that we played for like two months and then we put down on the phone? It was, it was sweet. Like it, it was a fa- it was like a oh shit, I forget the genre. It's it was like a MOBA, almost kind of like a MOBA. Yeah, yeah, it was kind of like Le- League of Legends. Like cards. Yeah, exactly. it's like you played cards and those put units down and yes. you're playing PvP against somebody else shit. with their cards and shit. Uh, there was Star Wars the Uprising, which was kind of like almost like an RPG on mobile. So yeah, I mean, it is wild that EA. And I think you are right, because you would think if you're a publisher and you have the Star Wars license, you'd be like, we just got a fucking a license to print money. Yeah. So let, let's go. Let, let's like Tones is saying in the chat, let's let's remake X-Wing. Let's remake TIE Fighter. Let's remake X-Wing versus TIE Fighter. Let's remake Rebel Assault. Let's make this new one. Let's start this RPG. Let's start this MMO. And they didn't do shit. They, they, we just announced it. They, they made like enough games that we can count on our stupid toe, you know, toes and fingers. Like n- not even toes. You could, yeah, you, get, just you could one name hand. all of the games that they made on, on one yeah, hand. One like, hand and maybe a ball, you know, I, I'll use so, one of my testicles as the next digits. Yeah, it, it is. Yeah, I mean. So I think you are on to something that maybe Disney was kind of fucking them from the get go. Maybe. It's just so hard to tell because. EA is such a disaster that it's not hard to believe that they would shoot themselves in yeah. both of their feet and yeah. their face at the same time. Like, I, so I, I just I, I feel I, like at yeah, this point, Star Wars fans, even the young, look, the thing about younger gamers, they, they've probably never really played Star Wars games more than you know once every five years, getting a new title. It's just. Yeah, I just remember the glory days. You had the Super Star Wars on Super Nintendo. You had the 8-bit Star Wars on Nintendo. There was always Star Wars video games to play that weren't called Battlefront. Yeah, it seems I that's mean, it. That's really the only Star Wars game people stick to these days. And I, 
more power to you. I just, I can't play the same fucking game over and over for six years straight. Just, it does not work. So there you go. I, I wouldn't get your hopes up outside the fact that, you know, EA has, has lost it and Disney didn't re-up. And it does sound like through LucasArts, they're going to be working with all these other developers and, and publishers. Ultimately, LucasArts will probably be the main publishing arm for Star oh, Wars yeah. video games going forward using other development studios. Yeah, yeah, I would agree there. All so, right. Um, uh, keep your eyes out, I guess, o- over the next three or four years to see if we get two Star Wars games a year. <laughs> oh, I can tell you that Empire at War works quite well on the Steam Deck. So if you are a, a Steam I, head and you've gotten mixed up in Star Wars sales on Steam and you do have a deck, uh, some of those older games do play even though they say they're not perfected. Empire at War works quite well. Sadly, Tones... Galactic Battlegrounds does not work at all, and that one is a dick punch. I will. Uh, I should be getting my Steam Deck tomorrow. Sweet. Um, what's concerning to me is I like earlier today before we went live, I was on Twitter scrolling and I saw like a pretty prominent person in the gaming industry. He's like a uh, like a, a, a personality in Halo. His name's Golden Boy. He was supposed to get his. He got his Steam Deck package today. And there was no Steam Deck in the box. <laughs> I love that shit. <laughs> he opened, Quality he opened control. the box and it was, all it had in there was like, the, I guess it was the charger that you get with it. <laughs> so there was no fucking Steam Deck in it. Some, and some I'm like, great, poor, I'm going to get this poor kid in a, Some poor kid in a third world country just got fired, Nick. They didn't, yeah, they oof. forgot to pack in the gear when they're, you know, like, Keep yeah. going. Your 20 hour shift isn't over yet. Oh, man. <laughs> we'll, we'll see. So I, I'm, Fingers are crossed that when I get my shit tomorrow, that the cool. Steam Deck yeah, I'll be, I'll be interested in next week to see what you think of it. I mean, you're you're a much yeah. more savvy PC player, so you probably have all sorts of titles in your library. You can already break out on, on the on I, the deck. But uh, I haven't. I've been yeah. I've been playing Batman Arkham Asylum because I own all the Arkham games, but right. I never played them. So I just started playing Arkham Arkham Asylum on the PC, and that is one that I want to see if it. Controls I, I believe well those are, are those are rated as green, so good experience on the deck but yeah no it's a cool little device i haven't touched mine as much as i was when my leg was broken which makes sense because i'm i'm a little i can move around more yeah um but it is it is a it's much more solid and useful than i thought especially because i think the one thing you'll find hopefully they make it easier but being able to play your uh game pass titles on the deck through uh the cloud is pretty fucking sweet that is pretty nice. Yeah, I, I do want to cool. check that out too. Is that a pretty easy integration for someone you like you? Like... Yeah, you'll you'll be fine. Non-technical people, okay. I would say, have a technical person do it because if you 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 have all the gear, so it's gonna be super easy. I I had to do it on the touch screen. You literally have to type in Linux commands. Okay. Uh, but you you'll just plug it into a fucking keyboard and a mouse, and it'll be easy. Nice. Uh, all, right. all right. So um, we're back going the, into the fan segment. I, we did have something here. I know Tones brought it up, and I, I did see this. I do want to acknowledge it. Uh, we did see Bespin Bulletin's leak of the Skeleton Crew set of a of a speeder bike stunt. There just wasn't a lot of meat to go off of, which is why I didn't bother Nick to cover it and why I didn't cover it myself. Uh, you know, if we could see characters and glean plot, I probably would have ran with it. The only thing I would say if if someone has seen this I'd actually argue that Bespin Bulletin's off on the character on the bike. It, to me, it almost looks like a, a, a stormtrooper, the way they crash and kind of the armor you can see. So I guess that's something you could chew on 
for that topic if you've seen the Skeleton Crew stunt speeder bike set league video. All right, so there's my two cents on that. So that takes us to the fan segment a little bit later in the show than, than we're used to, but we did have a three-banger to get through with Andor. Next week, we'll be back to just solo episodes until Tales of the Jedi gives us another Double Up Wednesday, and of course, we'll cover all that stuff for you on the SWTS the following week. But it is time for the fan segment. If you are new here, we do this every show, so we do have a dedicated segment for our fans, and we want you to get involved because maybe you'll come back and keep playing like Tones and Nary and Jason and Bat. Who else was in here today having fun with us? The Usuals, yeah. Kingdom of Weird. Yeah, One Six. You know, have some fun. Johnny Boy. We like to hang out because we celebrate our fans. And the first fan uh, segment topic that we do, or a way for you to get involved, is our question of the week. So every week on Instagram, at Star Wars Time Show, we pose a question that we would like Star Wars fans to ask themselves and then respond to. So it'll be in our stories and in our profile grid. All you have to do is either leave a comment on either form of the question. Okay? And then we'll pick them up. We'll read them. Hopefully you have bad grammar because that makes me laugh. (laughs) And uh, then we'll possibly discuss your thoughts. And we typically like to ask a question that we've been talking about on the show. So this week and for the next nine weeks, the question will be like so. What was your favorite or least favorite, for those that like to be negative, part from the Andor, th- see, I can't even read my own question. So I'm, I'm falling <laughs> right in line with having bad grammar and marbles in my mouth for this segment. Like BMO, he's like stuttering. But anyways, what did you love or hate about the Andor three episode premiere, Nick? All right. So you you fielded all the responses today. I don't know what's coming. Let me flick the screen yeah. and let, let's see what they had to say. All right. I it's will up say now. that there was a... It, there was a mix of of feelings in in the responses in the question today, which was actually surprising, given how the res, like the reception to the show has been. But we're opening up with one that is uh, one of those surprising uh, reviews. So this is from Grimicus, G R I M I K U S on yeah, Instagram. Yeah, distant says, relative of Grimace, for the big yes, purple guy indeed. at McDonald's. Yes, he is the big blue guy. That's you know <laughs> Grimicus Grimace's and Grimace. <laughs> Yes. Oh boy. Uh, but Grimicus says was way too slow for me. Barely made it through all three episodes. Oh boy. Hopefully it will pick up a little. The non-Star Warsy curse word was disappointing. Always liked the way we got like Star Wars specific curse words. We'll continue watching to see if it gets better. Um, yeah, I may I, have missed the okay, well, like the. Did he say shit or something? Okay, let me, because I know sometimes I have to kind of pull the the lid off of the worms from the Star Wars fandom. But yes, this was a big deal, apparently. Uh, Linus, our our buddy, the sergeant, uh, I believe he says shit. And that was uh, apparently offensive to some Star Wars He did not say poo-doo. Yeah, poo-doo, or or what's the one that they say way too much now? And dank Dank ferret. ferret? Yeah, I mean, get the fuck out of here. (laughs) <laughs> I, okay. I I would well, love that's... I would love for someone on Star Wars to just turn around and be like shut the fuck up droid yeah, like, something like that like who cares <laughs> I mean Nick think okay. about it is it, it that big of a deal they use all of our other English words and the fact that they use yeah. a, an English curse word that's a big deal I don't know what a, hey what I, happened, I honestly it it slid by so much that I legitimately did not know what he was talking about um but I mean I guess like 
when there has been like an established slang within a universe, like it sure. is kind of weird to break it, but like it, it, it happened in such a sly way that I literally didn't even notice it. Um, I watched this with the pause button and a notepad and it was nothing I felt like mentioning. So that, that's yeah. kind of, I will, I mean like his main criticism is that it was slow. That is the main criticism yeah. that was out there so far is that it was slow. So, I mean, hopefully within the next few episodes, Grimacus can, can, you know, we get a little yeah, bit hey, more we, action. We want all star Wars fans it. to be happy. I'm being serious. Like I, I, I really do get bummed out when star Wars fans are bummed out. Like I, I, Cause I, I remember that feeling when I went through the prequels, it sucks, but you know, sometimes these days, eh, who, who cares? Everyone's entitled to yeah. think whatever the fuck they want. I, I give up on that shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Next up Lima for photos. Our good friend. He says, I love how Lord Gilroy has been pitching. He's this a, he's a, you know, a, he's a listener. Cause he picks up on yeah. the, the stupid shit the, we the, talk about. The, the Lord Gilroy <laughs> talk. Yeah. Has been pitching this as a non star Wars, star Wars, but still left the nice helping of little Easter eggs, references and nods to the super fans. Either way, I'm loving it all. And I can't wait to see more slow burn. I don't care. We're here for the big picture, a fully told story. Is it Wednesday yet? Lima well, always, Lima's always said, well thought and, and said, yeah. of course. And look, I will say Lima, those Easter eggs were not the work of Tony Gilroy. Those were the special effects people in people, the background. Yeah. It's like they almost had a game like, hey, let's see what we can slip in here to see if old man Gilroy picks it up and cuts our head they off. They were like, this dude's not going to notice anything we put yeah. in. We, yeah, they could so, put, we're like, we could put we in a fucking Cylon. He'd be like, what the fuck? What, what yeah. Star Wars movie is that from? Yeah, is that from like, one of those whatever, fan yeah. fictions? Because remember, Tony yeah. studied the fan fiction too. The fan fictions as well. The fan fictions and the fake cartoon <laughs> canon. <laughs> oh man! All right, uh, work more oh, or less. Wow. Our good friend in Jason the chat right now. Jason has a big voice in today's episode. He, not yes. only is he active in the live stream chat, but he gets himself a little question of the week feature. That is right. He says it was a good call to release the first three episodes yes. as a first act to set up the world, introduce the characters and immerse the viewer in the conflict. I'm excited to be getting one episode a week and I'm happy. Uh, there are 12 in total, amazing acting and character development. Uh, I mean, there's I nothing agree. to pick apart there. He didn't fuck up his English. Nick, you know, spoke the words well. So job well we done go. there. Work more or less. Thank you, Jason. Um, 2797 Studios says B2 Emo was How lame. dare oh you? Oh, my. Sir Bat. Oh, my. Bat. Are you kidding that me? Is just he must have been smoking his angry weed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, he, so he follows that up and says, love the show, love the tone, love the scope and scale, just hated the droid. Oh, my goodness. Felt, <laughs> felt forced and wasn't very smart. Oh, and now there's underwear in space? You're right, because I George always told us there was no underwear in space, well, and yeah. we did see Bix wearing Bix, underwear. Bix had herself a bra. She was keeping those uh, keeping those things locked in. Yeah. You know, see, I, I, I applaud her. You don't want some guy named Tim with two M's having free access to your yeah. un- secured bosoms so also we we don't know how gravity affects you know your your your, <laughs> yeah, on your Ferrix, essentials yeah, when on, you're on like different planets if women are know? wearing bras their tits just float up into their faces <laughs> who, who knows who knows you're on different planets they have different gravitational fields <laughs> yeah, and pulls like, 
Some planets you may not need underwear, other ones you do. Yeah, so dude, who knows? Marv, Marv is so old, like she literally has to attach weights to her titties yeah, so they don't, pull, they don't float up. Like bras aren't enough anymore. <laughs> yeah, oh, man. Just, Look at, yeah. You know it's been a long show when Nick's starting to go down into the toilet. <laughs> like that's usually where I live. So. Yeah. You never oh, know. Boy. Bat. Bat's uh, a B2 hater. Look at Bat. He right. hates him. Hates the B2. <laughs> All right, and the final, the final question of the week response here comes comes from Tones one one three eight. We love Tones. He says, "Love the overall gritty feel of the show and the continuous tension throughout. They nailed it. As many others have stated, shit just doesn't feel <laughs> just doesn't fit in the Star Wars universe. I'd have took oh, Dank Farrick or even Pudu over shit. God in hell never sat with me well in other Star Wars movies, but apart from that." It's another win for D plus in my book. Yeah. So he hated the. You know the what? Shit it, it might honestly be the older generation. I think they're the ones that had the bigger problem with shit. I honestly, I, yeah. it, I think it just went over my head. Sometimes I'm so focused on trying to pick up Easter eggs and references that something like that would escape me. Yeah. But ultimately, in the end, I did whatever. It's just like, it's so, I guess it's like so common in my own vernacular that, 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 that like, like, I mean, you guys know me. I mean, I shouldn't even be allowed to speak publicly on stuff like this <laughs> because of how poor my, my mouth is with, with cuss words and whatnot. So yeah, it, it, I guess it is just such a normal term in my daily life that it probably just like, yeah, sure. Shit. Fuck. Damn, yeah. It's con- like, yeah, everybody says it. <laughs> it's, it's, it, it just completely... <laughs> I didn't even like it didn't even occur to me for a second that like, oh, that should be poodoo. Like it didn't it didn't register. Um, but good responses. Thank you to everybody. Oh, now, who, what if they responded. said, oh, Bantha shit. Or is that or it's just See, the like, term I shits feel like too that much. would be acceptable. Like if you if you put Bantha in front of it, then like I feel like that would be even that would be fine. But I don't I don't know. We would have to talk to like. Grimacus or, or, or tones to see like if that would be appropriate. But I, I'm like, thinking you know, probably like not. I'm thinking close. that would still be struck down. I do. Maybe it would be. Maybe oh, well, hey, bad. can't win them all. But in the can't end, like I said, I, I've given up on trying to fight the good fight. <laughs> there, there's yeah. weird uh, things that, that bother me in life. So whatever. We all have our we all have our wants and desires and thoughts. Very true. All right. Um, well, that does it yeah. for question of the week. Correct. That is okay. the end of question week, which means that we're moving into the top five Star Wars fan artist features of the week, our favorite features of the week. Uh, if you want to get involved in this segment, make sure to one, follow us at Star Wars Time Show on Instagram, and two, tag us in your Star Wars art and or toy pics uh, on Instagram. That is at Star Wars Time Show. Use that. Tag us in the photo. Click on the little photo. Click the tag button. Add at Star Wars Time yes, Show. That's the and best go way ahead these days. And throw on that hashtag too. Uh, hashtag Star Wars Time Show on those posts. That's the way you get involved in the segment. Matt will parse through all of those tags and pick his favorites every day. And then at the end of the week, if I don't pass out too early, uh, I will go through and curate my top five from the ones that Matt picked earlier. So this is the top five Star Wars. Uh, hold on, hold on. We had an official ruling from Tones, and as Tones? I predicted, Bantha shit does not wash either, as he does, says. It does not. It, yes. it needs to be. The so right now, I think he is calling us a bunch of twats. Wow. Okay. Well, now we know. Now we know that it needs to be uh, in universe. All right, Tone, only. go to bed, you 
twat. There's the there's the American delivery for you. Oh, oh, not the long A. Yeah, no, he and I, we, we were going in, in our Discord, which we'd love any fan, if you want to join up, our Discord is publicly available. No Patreons or shit like that. You can find the link in our Instagram. But yeah, Tones and I were going back on the the American and the British delivery of the word twat. And we are we are more of an ot where the Brits are more of an at. At. So he, he actually recorded his voice just to show me how you speak it properly. <laughs> oh, beautiful, beautiful. But anyway, to kick off the Let's top go. five this Who we week, got? our first one uh, up is from at Lionworks on IG. Good thing it's not B2 and or Bat would punch us out right now. He would, he would hate, he would immediately <laughs> un, unfriend the show. But what we have here is uh, an awesome chibi uh, photograph of both C-3PO and R2-D2 together. Yep. And I, I just, I just love these figures. I don't know if it's, it's, it's like egg attack, man. Egg attack. This is, this yeah. is the beast kingdom egg attack. And, and the star Wars line seems to be making a resurgence within the star Wars artist community on Instagram. Because I don't know if it's because of that, the, the Mando release or the mall, but they are popping up more. And as you said, they, they got that chibi feel and I, I actually own the, the droids C-3PO and R2 and Egg Attack, and they are some of the best figures out there. Because they don't you just want to, like, pick up C-3PO and kind of, you know, hold them and, uh-huh. and, like, baby talk to him. Like, oh, you little goldenrod. Yeah. Look at you, little goldenrod, <laughs> your big little head. So, yeah. It's they, just, <laughs> it's such a... It's such a good representation of these two characters. Like, the details are spot on. I love like I don't know if Lionworks lit the eyes himself no, that, or if this that, was from somebody. That's else. practical. You can actually turn the little dude's eyes on. Oh, yeah. Same with R2's light. So yeah, these are these are a great line of toys if you can find these old ones for a, a decent price. Yeah, Lionworks did a great job capturing the the relationship between C3PO and R2D2 with these yeah, awesome. Yeah, you can almost hear and it, and it's hard to because they do look so cute in chibi form. But looking at it, you you can almost discern that C three PO is is talking some form of shit to R two because that's really yeah. all he does. I mean, the only time <laughs> that's true he was nice to R two was in the sequels because R 2s turned off. You know what I mean? That like, is true. Besides yeah. that, <laughs> he's like oh. he fucking hates R two. Let, let's just get that yeah. out there. He hates his guts. Constantly complaining. At Lion works on Instagram at L Y O N W O R X. Go give them a follow. Next up is at straight.from.camino. I believe this is their first top five. Um, and we have a very gritty uh, take on some clone troopers here. I think we see, I think this is Commander Wait, is this Cody. from Tony Gilroy? Is this from Tony this Gilroy? This is straight from Tony. This it's gritty. is gritty. It's Star from the- Wars. It's got to be Tony, right? Yeah. <laughs> gritty, Star Wars, dark. This is going to be in the next episode of Andor, <laughs> guaranteed. Um, but it's just a, it's just an awesome shot of, of commander Cody, I think. And then some of his clone troopers flanking him, um, great weathering effects on the, on the armor for the clone troopers. And it's just a very well posed yeah. and executed shot from straight from Camino. Yeah. Not, not going to lie. I mean, I'm the one that typed out the caption. So I laid down the gritty looking clone shot and that's exactly what it is. It, it, that, the, the, the gritty, the gritty aesthetic always works for the Clone Wars and its subjects, and, and that's kind of what straight from Camino went with here, and it's, it's good stuff. So you got Cody and the 212 looking like badasses, getting ready to knock heads and kill some clankers. So good looking mm. work here from at straight.from.camino. There we go. 
Good stuff. Next up, another gritty shot. Yeah, <laughs> gritty out. wartime shot. This is from yeah. at Abomination. This is Tony Gilroy top five here. I would sure? say this, I had to go with the with the theme of the show. It's All it's right. gritty Star Wars now. Um, and what we see here are, are some mud troopers that we saw in solo and they're making their way. What? Through the mud. Uh, they're, they're walking through almost what looks like a bog. One of them's got their, their, uh, weapon over their head walking through because you don't want to get your weapon wet. We've seen that in every war movie ever. If you're going through a a river or, or any sort of body of water, and then you can see kind of the company coming in line behind the lead soldier as they all make their way through the the muddy uh uh exterior uh on what what planet was it that Mimban. they were on solo Mimban. 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 that was it. I mean honestly dude uh, to me this is um Star Wars Vietnam that's what this yeah. this looks like it it looks just like imagery you you'd see from Vietnam from our our, our good boys there with their you know their uh, assault rifles up over their head walking through either rice paddies or or marsh areas the jungle but it's Star Wars with the uh, mud trooper armor. It's just, it's great. It really yeah. does look like they're the uh, Empire sent a battlefield photographer with this company, and he or yep. she was was grabbing this shot as they were moving through this this marshy terrain. So I just I really love the almost real life quality to this abomination underscore photography shot. Well done. Next up in the top five is at Savvy Art. Believe that you put That's it in the, the top one five last want. time. I, see, I, I I didn't want to look. I always like when you pick because I don't <laughs> like looking. But I was wondering because Savvy is running a a like a month of full of prompts where yeah. she's put out a calendar. And we just talked about her last week. She's she's an all star, and and you know it's like yeah. hey, I think this prompt was Rogue One. So. But uh, she she did the one I think I featured yesterday or something, Nick, of young Ahsoka looking in the mirror and being reflected mm-hmm. back was Ahsoka the White. You know, her, her yeah. Gandalf look. I thought that, I, I, I just I, I always like to see which savvy piece you're going to go with. So, I mean, they're all top notch, but I love how she was able to to just. Give us a slice of every Rogue One character. I think you made the right choice considering this was our Andor premiere breakdown episode. So I like the theming you went with here. Yeah, I mean, it's fantastic. You get half a face of everybody of the main cast. So you get half of Jin, half of Cassian, half of Jared, half of Baze, half of Bodhi, and then half of K2. And it's just in her signature style. And it's just a fantastic, every piece she puts out is fantastic, but this one does fit along with the Andor theme of the show and is a great tribute to the rogue one. Yeah. I mean, you, you, you box collectors out there that like putting your boxes together to form art. That that's kind of the style that this savvy piece is in, you know I mean? You you could almost see that these are toy boxes. You got the Jin figure, the Cassian figure, the Cheerit figure, as Nick said, go, go down the line. But you know, we, we just, we appreciate her style. Uh, she's, she's always posting, always creating. And if you've never seen her work before, it's essentially, what would you say? Like nineties era Disney animation style, right? Yeah. Like Disney animation, like if, like print, like if you go back and watch like Princess and the Frog, it kind of has like that style of animation in terms of like her character drawings and stuff like that. It's just very, very um, incredible, like Disney style animation look, beautiful stuff. So make sure to give her a follow at Savvy, S-A-V-V-Y-Y-A-R-T on Instagram. 
Um, always a pleasure to see her stuff pop up on the feed. And then finally, uh, to close out this week's top five, it's a little deal going on between, <laughs> I don't know if this is, I don't think this is Watto, That's obviously, Watto. because That's I don't, Watto. It, it's, did Watto have his own, like he had like the junk shop, but then he also had a side business well, where he's if like you selling. Re- if you remember in Attack of the Clones, they do find them kind of like, I, oh, yeah, I, I don't like know if he's set up outside of his store or if he now has like a, like you said, kind of, you know how some stores, especially if you go to a beach town, they'll have the, in the store, but in front of it, they'll have tables with other knickknacks to maybe draw you yeah. in or make a quick sale. So we'll, we'll, yeah, we'll just say that's what's happening here with Watto. Yeah, so. So you see Watto and he's talking to Bib Fortuna and Bib's like, hey, man, I'm here to pick up some frogs for Jabba yeah, again. For the you know, big boy. You, yeah, you know, we go through these things. Watto's like, look, man, I only got three. He's like, you got to do better. I need more than he's going to eat three as soon as I get back. And it's just a negotiation going on between Watto and Bib in the middle of this Tatooine market uh, trying to get Jabba his frog hookup. And I also like how you have a pit droid coming by with a yeah. with a carton of blue milk bottles. That's <laughs> so. what I mean. I mean, if, if you think about it, like you heard Nick break it down. The, the scene is rather mundane in terms of its subject, but it's all the little nuances that make it a great piece of art. It, it is. It's that yeah. pit droid to the right carrying the case of of blue milk bottles. It's, you know, the little tiny bits of, of Melaroon fruit at the stand. It's the porg in a bird cage up there. Snaggletooth yeah. in the background. In the background. It, it really yeah. is like it, 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 it's a scene that tells a story, but the story could be interpreted in many different ways. It's just, it's, it's a great shot of life within, uh, where was he? That the most Espa market. So market. Yeah. And this is from at three Lessie. I forgot to say that at three Lessie on IG and three Lessie is one of our favorites oftentimes pops up in the top five. And it's because the shots like the creative, well thought out shots that are not only well thought out, but well executed. So, uh, always great to see a three Lessie shot hidden feed as well. Good looking stuff Um, as always on the top five. That is right. So that's the end of the top five. That's the end of the show. It was a long one, like we said, because we had the three Andor episode drop, but it was a fun one. So, Matt, close out the show for us. All right. Before I close it out, I forgot to announce a few things. First and foremost, if you're on the live stream and you've been looking at my man tits, you probably saw I have a nice new shirt that says Wanted, Dead or Alive, Cassian Andor, armed and very, what does it say? Armed and very dangerous. Contact the... Empire for reward. So our boy Adrian at Action Figure Snaps, he heard the call and delivered. So Nick and I, we got two new shirts of the from the Andor franchise. This was one of them, and then we just got a nice black Andor logo yeah. one coming. Uh, we'll probably be wearing that next week, like twins. Yes. So thank you, Adrian. Uh, we we love you. I you know I, a lot of times we're just fucking around. But we do yeah. appreciate that sometimes you take us seriously and send us free yes, swag like thank that. Thank you very much for your generosity. Uh, the the other announcement, and some of you in, in Discord has has uh, been privy to this, but last Friday I saw my surgeon for the first time in about three and a half months. And at first it was looking a little rocky, Nick. The resident came in first and he's like, well, hey, it's healing well, but you may be dealing with this for at least a year. And I'm like, okay, fuck. And then the surgeon comes in and it's like night and day, dude. He walks in. He's like, hey, 
looking good, 100% fix, you're back to normal, no restrictions. I'm like, what, dude, wow. really? Like, Very this guy just told me I'm, I'm going to be fucking Eeyore until, you know, maybe June of next year. And he's like, no, man, listen, look, he, he pulled it up, showed me to the fore and after and how, like, fucked up my bone was. Is like, literally the top of my bone was moved down multiple millimeters in, in my right leg. And that's why they had to drill in there and put screws and putty and cement and balloons. I guess he had to like blow it up with a balloon. It's all all kinds of weird shit. But he's like, listen, three months later, bone is perfect. It healed well. It's back in line. So no restrictions, pal. You do what you got to do. He's like, obviously, you're going to have to keep building muscle back. But he's like, listen, going into it, you had some physical fitness that helped you. And the fact that you're telling me within two weeks of surgery, you were back to some form of exercise, that has also helped. So that was some pretty fucking killer news I got last Friday. And it, it reminded me of how powerful my mind can be when I want it to be. Because Friday going to the appointment, I still felt like a broken man. And that I, I had to be limited and then hearing that from the expert that I'm okay, it was like, I am completely fixed. I mean, there's a good chance I'm going to be on that fucking one wheel again before the end of this year when I thought I wasn't getting on until well into 2023. Uh, so that was, I, I very rarely like celebrating anything positive that happens in my life because I know if I do too much or too long, the universe is going to remind me that I'm meant to suffer in life. Uh, so mm -hmm. there's a good chance after making this proclamation on this show, I'm going to walk outside and get struck by lightning or hit by a car, something like that. Um, but that, that was good news. And it really, it really does show you what your mind can do if it's properly conditioned or if it hears the right thing from the right people. Because I'm telling you, if I didn't hear that news last Friday, I'd probably still be feeling somewhat physically and mentally miserable today. Uh, so that, that was big shit. Now I just got to get past the women in my life and, and them still trying to keep me from wanting to do things that I've been wanting to do for the past three and a half months, AKA get on the fucking <laughs> one wheel, the thing that sent me down this journey for, um, uh, at the get go of June, but Hey, whatever good news, but it's time to end the show. God damn it. Like Nick said, we've almost gone three hours. We don't charge you. It didn't cost you a dime. I know the speculation sometimes is so damn good. You think you should be paying for this show, but you're lucky. You're not. All we ask is that you keep talking about it and promoting it and trying to convince other like-minded individuals, other Star Wars fans, that they too should dedicate a few hours of their week to the Star Wars Time show. So your best tool to do that is StarWarsTime.net. You know, that's where our content's at. You can kind of get a, a feel for what we're into, our voice. But more importantly, this is where you can find all of our social links. You can sub to the podcast from StarWarsTime.net. We're everywhere. Just pick the platform. We'll be there. All we ask is that you sub, rate, and review, especially on iTunes, Spotify, Pandora, Amazon, the big ones that allow you to do it. Uh, it's better than money. When you tell the overlords that are now going to make Darth Vader's voice that you believe in the Star Wars Time Show on iTunes, they will then grace us with favor, okay? So keep the ratings and reviews up. If you're on the live stream now, don't forget to like it. Don't forget to share it with a friend. Leave a comment, if you will. Comments also drive traffic, and that's all we are here for. 
We just want more people to join in on the fun. If you had fun today, think about sharing that fun with someone else that could be into this somewhat different Star Wars fan podcast. So don't forget, StarWarsTime.net. There's always time for Star Wars time. Bring a friend, bring a family member, bring a pet. doesn't matter as long as they have an account that allows them to leave comments, reviews, or ratings on the Star Wars Time show. Don't forget to tell them, as you are pitching us, that if they do listen to it, the Force, some people call it God, will be with you. Always. Always.